I am sitting here today with Toby Schuler. How are you doing, Toby? Doing well. Awesome. So this is your first podcast you mentioned? First ever. Yeah. Well, actually, I just remembered I did do a podcast once for, but it was like uh, over, I don't know, like Zoom or like FaceTime. I just realized okay. I have been on one before. Uh, do you know Do you know Bill Wong, uh, Dr. Swole on uh, YouTube? I think so, yeah. Okay. Anyway. Sounds familiar. Not that I'm trying to like promote other people. <laughs> no, that's, go ahead. That's totally fine. <laughs> but he yeah. actually, yeah, he's been running like a fitness podcast for, I don't know, like maybe five years or. Okay, nice. I don't know. Something like that. It was like five years ago though. Maybe, yeah. Maybe four years. Okay. So quite a while. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's like, we were just talking before we started recording here uh, about the failure rates of podcasts. Yeah. And uh, like I myself, I enjoy this. Like I really do enjoy this. It's yeah. nice to like just to get to know people better and i do i am interested in people that are kind of not in the same industry but it's nice with people that are in the same industry to like discuss modalities and see where they've come and what they've accomplished and just although obviously at this point in time my platform is not big but to give them a platform to speak on and you know kind of just create more awareness for people that are out there and stuff and so it has it is a lot of fun yeah like it is a lot of fun when it's like i don't know i I'm kind of regurgitating someone else's material, but like long form content, like mm. a podcast or, you know, a YouTube, a long YouTube video, like it gives you the opportunity to actually go into detail about like what you do or why you do it, or even just, I don't know, like a modality or something without being constrained to like X amount of words or X amount of time. If you're like doing a 15 second reel, like you're really just trying to get some clicks because you're like, okay that's it like no one has the attention span for more than a 15 second video or a 30 second video or whatever so it is kind of cool um like the rise of podcasts is giving people Mm -hmm. this like new uh audio or not audience but like a new platform to like do long form content that people actually listen to yeah because you can do it while you're driving while you're cleaning chores exactly yeah Yeah. like i do the video i like having the video because i personally like watching podcast videos but obviously this also goes to spotify with no video and it goes to apple and everything and so um yeah it's a great way for people to do that because yeah not everybody has time to sit there and like truly focus Mm -hmm. and obviously like so for me like the YouTube content is that's where I'm trying to put like the informative stuff where yes, you are going to have to focus. Right. And, but then the podcast, which yes, it goes on YouTube, but that is the, let's just, you know, chat, let's just chit chat and have a good time, you know, learn some stuff about each other, learn some stuff about you. And then yeah, it's less focus for people. So then they're actually interested yeah. in that. Cause as you mentioned, uh, with Instagram, yeah, like you only have 15 seconds yeah. and uh, my, I am doing my absolute best to do short reels and they're still like a minute long. <laughs> it's super hard. Right? I like, I like went in and it it's, it's kind of annoying to like look at your insights and see like posts you thought you like put so much hard work into you. Like this oh. is a sick post. Yeah. And it gets like, you know, I don't know, 10, 10 likes or something versus like oh. some stupid video you post. About. <laughs> like I did a video, the uh, like, I mean, it wasn't stupid at all, but it was like this push-up video where i was doing push yeah i saw you today 300 or something like that right? yeah and it was like it was literally i was like oh i'm just gonna post this like to make it like a permanent thing that people can see because it was just on my stories otherwise okay yeah and no reservations about it i was literally like i'm yeah. just gonna post it and it's had the i think w- like the highest views out of any of my reels and it's not even like curated content it was literally just like here's me doing 300 push-ups for like for 12 hours or whatever yeah. like throughout 12 hours 
And I like, it provides no value besides maybe like motivation or something. But I was like, that's the video that gets the most views. And like, yeah. but either way, yeah, like the, the, the whole insight thing is, is, is frustrating sometimes because you're like, right. damn it. So I have to like try and whittle it down to like 30 seconds every time I post or 50 yeah. seconds. Cause that's what show the, you yeah. know, the, the algorithm is showing is yeah. wanted or something yeah. like that. So I don't know. It's just, uh, well, when I got my first ever dislike on YouTube, I was like, how dare you, <laughs> you? find you? <laughs> it was hard. And like, and this is the society that we're in though, is like, um, you know, we are completely based around the whole likes and everything. And yeah. now I am not somebody who is looking for likes for the attention, the aspect of like, look at my body and stuff. I'm looking for the attention aspect of like, I would like to grow my business. Yeah. I would like to reach more clients. Yeah. So I do take the likes into consideration because it's like, obviously the more likes I have, the more it's going to move up in the algorithm yeah. and more likes and comments and the more exposure I'm going to get. But one thing that I did kind of learn that helps me like swallow that a little better and not be so like buttered about it is there have been a lot of people who have never liked my posts yeah. that have come out and messaged me and being like, hey, I was watching this video and this or this and that. And it's like, oh, so people actually really are paying attention to it. They might they're just not always. Yeah, they're just not hitting the like, like button or any of yeah. that kind of stuff, right? And, and like I said, that used to bother me too. But then in reality, it's well, now I'm at the point where I just appreciate that people are paying attention and that they are taking something away from this. because. Yeah. I shared something to my story like last week and it was something like someone posts a naked photo or half naked photo and gets 20,000 likes and, and then educational content only gets 20 likes. I've come to the realization that Instagram is not for educational content. Right. Right. Because you cannot educate someone in 15 seconds. Yeah. It is for the flashy. It is for the sex appeal. So you kind of have to take advantage of that and utilize that funnel them into where you do provide the educational yeah. content, which is the YouTube, which is the podcast, things like that. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good point. I've never thought about it yeah. that way because like I do, you know, use that platform for my business in that yeah. sense, but I think I've been trying to maybe educate too much on it or I mean, yeah. you know, as, as a lot of people do, like there is successful like educators, but a lot of them are successful on YouTube yeah. and probably because they you know, drive people to that yeah. from their Instagram or whatever, then yeah. and it's kind of. Yeah. And it's a lot easier to educate people when you already have that big following, when you already have that respect or like the credentials help a lot too, is a reality of it. Like, you know, if you have some letters behind your name, that yeah. kind of also helps draw people in and actually focus into your content. Um, but like a lot of it is hooks as well. Like, yeah. and that's what I've been learning lately. The cat, like the catchy. Uh, yeah. Like a caption or a photo or yeah. something to actually hook people. So like lately I've been starting with things that over the years with working with clients that are very, uh, like relatable. So, you know, for example, I used to have sleep apnea. Mm -hmm. So when I met individuals with sleep apnea, I could call it out right away and they'd be like flabbergasted. Well, right. it's because I could see lines from the mask, something so simple right. and obvious, but if you're not used to that, you wouldn't be able to pick that yeah. out. Yeah. But I could pick that out because I was so self-conscious of my lines when I would wear my sleep mask. Right. And so I could pick that out. And so that right there was that hook. Yeah. It was a simple hook or like one that I'm gonna put out recently. And I don't know if you knew this, uh, this is highly associated. Have you ever had a dream of falling off a cliff before? 
Uh, maybe. So maybe. you know why you're hesitant, right? Because you're a, like, you know, not to put anyone else down, but you're quite a healthy individual, right? Usually, I would say I have yet to meet someone who has had that dream, and it's associated with the blood sugar crash. So it's your blood sugar crashing at night. And that's why when you wake up and your heart's racing and you're yeah. sweating, yeah. it's because you had to use more stress hormones to bring that blood sugar back up. Interesting. And so then that's what wakes you up in that panic or yeah. whatever. And yeah. the worse it is, the more panicked you wake up. Yeah. Right. And so when I have this conversation with individuals that do have blood sugar dysregulation and we correct that blood sugar dysregulation, they no longer have those dreams. Or you talk to people who have been in pretty good shape and healthy their whole life. They're like, oh, I'd never really had that dream. Yeah. Yeah, and so that's it's fucked high, up. Never, that. <laughs> it's highly associated with blood sugar smash. So, anyways, that yeah. like that's my hook. Like, hey, yeah. have you ever dreamt of falling off a cliff? There's my hook. Yeah, and someone's gonna go. You know what? I actually have. Yeah, and then it's all about. But it's so much work. Like content creation is so much work, and I don't mean that like I'm not like bitching about it. It's yeah. just there is a lot of work involved. It's not as easy as just coming on and speaking. Yeah, and hoping for the best. Yeah, like, you actually have to put in work and like the editing. I don't know if you saw any of my recent ones where I'm doing like the flashing because it's called pattern change. Okay. So you change from like like maybe a side view or like you zoom in and zoom out, yeah. change the captions and how you keep people interested. Right, right, right. It was a minute and a half long video. It took me over two and a half hours to film and edit and everything. is <laughs> cut, paste, captions, this and that. Now I'm getting yeah. quicker now. Yeah. But there's a lot that goes into it. So that's the ones that when you post them and you get minimal likes, you're like, yeah. damn. Yeah. That was a lot of work I put in <laughs> for edited that minimal for hours. Yeah, right. And now I can also understand it too from like let's say you post like a body shot and you get minimal likes. Like, yeah, that could affect someone's confidence for yeah. sure. So it's a it's a tough game to play and you have to be very careful. But for people like us with our businesses, because how much of the online portion do you do? Uh I'd say I'm like maybe I want to say like a little less than half. Okay. Maybe maybe like thirty percent is okay. online clients. So you're more personal um, training. And yeah, I'd say probably sixty sixty, seventy percent is in person. So um I mean it's just kinda naturally came about that way. Like through yeah. COVID, we were like fully online. Yeah. Because we just hadn't to pivot. Yeah. And then I love the in person. That's the thing is yeah, okay. I actually don't love doing online coaching. Mm -hmm. It's it's not that a like hate doing the actual coaching but like it doesn't fulfill my or like fill my cup i guess as they say like i get a lot out of personal interactions like working one-on-one -on -one with clients even just talking to someone in person versus over the phone or over a video screen or over text like mm -hmm. i don't know i just don't get anything out of that and not that i'm like <laughs> what i need but in terms of like fulfillment you do have to consider yeah. what makes you happy in that sense right so yeah. um yeah, I know like as soon as like we kind of came out and the gyms opened up again, it was like I couldn't wait to basically start training clients in person again because that's that's just kind of where I thrive. Yeah, yeah. Right? And I mean, I also think your clients thrive with in person if they, yeah. if they have the means to do it. Like that's going to be more effective than an online program. That personal touch. Yeah, and yeah. personal accountability too. It's like I'm literally at the gym ready to put you through the workout. Yeah. Like, that's way more motivating than yeah. a text being like, hey, did you hit your workouts? Yeah, <laughs> you did it done? Yeah, for sure. So how about for the people that don't know you, let's go into, let's tell us a little bit about yourself. Give us some backstory, where you're from. 
Yeah. Uh, I mean, I mentioned to you, like I was born in Switzerland, but I was like super young when we moved. So, uh, what age, uh, age four. So really young. Uh, my parents moved to Canada and like, it's actually really funny. I like heard this story later in my life where I found out like my parents didn't even have a plan coming to this country. Like in the sense of like, they literally, I guess they flew in to Calgary and they bought a truck and a, 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 like a camper. And then they just started driving around to different farms being like, who wants to sell us their farm? Like, you know what I mean? Like, it was, I think they knew some people and like had some contacts, but it was like very much like, let's go there and figure it out once we're there versus like having, you know, something already set up or like a, a place already with like a, I don't I know, a down payment. Like I love people. Oh yeah. <laughs> they, but they also like moved halfway across the world away from all their families, right? Like they, they're, I don't know, I guess like adventurers or like th those type of people. Like I know people that would never leave the city that their family's in because they're like, no, I need to be close to my family. Right. And it's, it's not that it's like you have better family values. It's like maybe like an attachment thing or yeah, okay. like that. But yeah. either way, they didn't feel super attached. They moved halfway across the world. And, uh, yeah, I grew up on a farm, an organic beef farm. Um, my parents are kind of like hippies. Okay, yeah. <laughs> are you having siblings? Uh, sorry. Do you have any siblings? Yeah, yeah. One brother, um, older brother, and then an older sister. So I'm, oh, okay. I'm the so youngest. they went through the same experience. Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. They're both older. So uh, yeah, grew up on a farm, just like no TV. <laughs> Literally, I had no TV uh, growing up. I'm just like always, just got the boot, go outside. That's probably why you're so healthy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like grew up running around the bush, like yeah. making bows and arrows, and <laughs> that's amazing <laughs> stuff like that. But. Uh, yeah, then just um, funny enough, like I, I moved to Calgary and actually dropped out of university. I went to like business school out of all things. And like apparently my whole family was like, what are you doing in business school? Like, you know, you're not like this like businessy guy. Um, they were all kind of like confused as to why I chose it. I didn't even know why. I like, I didn't, I had no idea what I wanted to do. And I just like yeah. picked like marketing or something because I thought that might. I feel like that's the most common. Yeah. I hear that a lot. Like even I had my friend Chad on the podcast, same thing. He said he went into business and then went out. Yeah. And I feel like when someone is not entirely sure of what they want to do with their life, they go in the business route. I wonder what kind of like inspires that. I think it's just like the appeal of like wearing a suit and making money or something. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like that's, that was literally my thought. I was like, huh, like I wanted to like dress nice. Cause I was yeah. like a little bit into like dressing nice when I was like getting out of high school, you know, like I'd wear. I don't know, collared shirts and ties or whatever, like just nicer clothes. So I was like, I don't know, kind of followed that like little bit of enjoyment out of like dressing nice or fancy and just was like, what can I, what can I do that? I do that every day. So I think that was maybe the idea, but um, either way, I lasted like a month. Maybe <laughs> two months. Like I did not last long. I was like, fuck this. <laughs> this is stupid. And I, I don't, I'm not that good at school. Like I, yeah. I think I might have like, a bit of a attention, not dis. I don't like to call it a disorder, but like I have problems focusing on shit I don't care about. Basically. Yeah, that's and it's it is a form of like I actually just heard Andrew Huberman talk about this yeah, today. ADHD kind of literally like ADHD. Like you give a per person with ADHD something they really like, they will be zoned in. Right? You give it like you give me some like random hypertrophy like yeah. research i'll read like, a thousand words on like mm -hmm. some technique to increase muscle size but you give me like 
a same, you know, uh, sized like paper on like math or something. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I don't know, something I could care less about, like yeah. give me 10 words and I'm out of there. Yeah. Um, but, uh, oh, it's like, a, it's like watching a movie. Yeah. You're not going to watch the movie if you're not interested in the yeah. movie. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I, I've always said that I said, like, do you actually have ADHD or are you just not interested? Yeah. Right. They're kind of saying that it's like, I don't know that it's still kind of like the same thing, like that. I guess maybe it's just a way to term that disinterest, mm-hmm. but they're saying like people with ADHD, like they don't necessarily have it in all walks of their life. They just have it in things yeah. that they're not interested in. Whereas like yeah. people without ADHD, like I know people that can sit down and study a textbook or go through school of shit they don't care about mm-hmm. and they can get really good grades and they can understand the concepts and they can yeah. retain all that information and understand it without having any interest in it. And it's mm-hmm. like, how do you do that? Yeah. But it's apparently like the dopamine. Yeah. So it's accident uh, comment. So threshold or like some, some way of they can create or release dopamine yeah. doing things they don't necessarily. But it's also about or So what it is with a lot of the missing key ingredient of this is like when you look at the neurotransmitters, so dopamine. So that is a, when you look at people showing interest in subjects and actually like, you know, putting the work in, um, when it's something that they're actually not interested in that you could look at as dopamine because dopamine is the get stuff done. The motivator. Thing, yeah. Right? Like it, but the focus, the learning and focus, that's acetylcholine. So look okay. at dopamine as your engine and horsepower. Yeah. Acetylcholine is your accelerator. Yeah. So most people are walking around with this big freaking, you know, Hemi big block or whatever with just a little tiny Toyota Prius <laughs> accelerator, right? Yeah. And this is why, this is why we have like higher levels of ADHD yeah. and whatnot, because we cannot like control that dopamine. Yeah. That was a big issue of mine because of where my genetics works. I did genetic testing and my P it's called PEMT gene, which is responsible for the production of phosphatidylcholine within the body. It was just yeah. slowed right down. Right. So like to actually like, so I had tons of energy and I yeah. can move and do things and my metabolism was good, but to actually sit down and focus and learn, yeah. I didn't start to improve upon that because I was, I dropped out of, out of grade nine, I think. Right. Wow. It was grade nine. I, dropped, I wanted to go work and make money because I yeah. just hated school and everything. Yeah. Right. And then I, why am I doing this? came around, <laughs> turned my health around, realized this is what I want to do. So then I actually had to get back to school and yeah. like learn how to focus and everything. And that's where I learned improving upon the phosphatidylcholine aspect was that's the building block for acetylcholine. Yeah. That is your learning and focus neurotransmitter. Right. And yeah. so then when you look at the other spectrum, you look at like ADD, mm-hmm. that's more the dopamine. They got that little, you know, 1.3 liter would diatsu or whatever right and so they just have a smaller engine so they don't have a lot of dopamine so their mind is very sluggish yeah and that's the difference between because people like to call add and adhd the same sure right it's the difference is adhd is well hyperactive yeah and add is the more sluggish is the slower yeah yeah right and and i think more people believe they have adhd which would make a lot of sense because you burn through a lot of acetylcholine. Yeah. And we're, choline is already scarce in the diet. Yeah. We talk about how like eggs are high in choline. Yeah. It's already scarce in the diet. Yeah. 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 Right. And so we, we use a lot of that choline methyl donors and everything. And so dopamine's not hard to try to produce though, because you just look at your phone. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Look at your phone and your body goes, okay, well, let's start. Stimulates. Yeah. Yeah. And like tyrosine is more readily available than choline is in the diet. 
and that's your building block for dopamine. And then you have things like L-dopa, mucanopurines, like these things are more readily available rather than for building, uh, rather than for phosphatidylcholine and building acetylcholine. Yeah. Right. And this is why most of us have the ADHD because we're just all over. There's so much going on in life. Yeah. Oh yeah. You know, you're coming to my office, look at what I've got going on. And that's the thing, like, uh, you know, kids growing up these days, like have so much constant stimulation, so much information coming in constantly. Like we didn't grow up with that. Like I grew up before the cell phone, right? Or like not, I grew up through the rise of the cell phone. Because you're how old right now? 30. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. But like, I still remember dial up. I still remember like real phones. Like, you know what I mean? Be on the phone. Not this phone, this phone. Yeah. yeah. And like, uh, yeah, like it's, it's a different world now with how much constant stimulation. So like, I totally understand how people are like, I don't know, dopamine challenged or like, you know, like where they have no ability to either like restrict like their constant, Mm -hmm. like dopamine bursts or vice versa. Like. Maybe their production is fucked up because yep. of the constant stimulation. I don't know how a lot of that works. Mm-hmm. Uh, like I'm just kind of slowly learning about all that stuff. But I'm curious how you changed your, I guess, I think you said your acetylcholine-like production or like... Yeah, so you got to kind of look at like, hey, well, why... Most people, like, although I mentioned it's scarce in the diet, it's usually not the diet. Like, if you're if you're eating a, a well-rounded nutritional protocol, yeah. it's usually not the diet's fault. It's like, oh, you're just not getting enough choline. There's something causing you to burn through it. Or are you familiar with methylation? No. So methylation, the simplest way I can put it is, is it's responsible for, like, things like detoxification, neurotransmitter production, and clearance, hormone production and clearance. But where it really catches a big name is turning specific genes on and off. So when you talk about poor methylation, this is where you look at like diseases that run in family because it's like, oh, uh, cancer runs in my family. Well, what happens is is a lifestyle that promoted poor methylation caused your body to act on a genetic SNP, which is a single nucleotide polymorphism. So I've mentioned this in previous podcasts, but just in case if anyone's new, Think of a genetic SNP as a ladder, right? And your or, or your genetics as a ladder, and you're climbing this ladder up to optimal health and wellness. If you have a genetic SNP, you have a broken step on that ladder. And if you are poorly methylating, instead of stepping over that broken step and continuing your climb, you're going to step on that broken step and continuously fall down. Yeah. And you're going to have trouble achieving optimal health and wellness. That's yeah. kind of the very sim- It's a very complex topic, but For that's sure. the simplest way I can explain it. And so my methylation was significantly compromised. And so think of as it as you've, have you heard of MTHFR gene? No. So that one's becoming pretty common. Everybody's talking about, oh, I have an MTHR defect and all this gen- genetic SNP and everything. And so that's your methyl tetrahydrofolate reductase. Okay. What that is, that is the starter for your engine. Think of it as that. Yeah. So that's your folate cycle. Yeah. So that's why when you talk pregnancy they really push folate because you're now methylating for two people there's a much higher demand you need to make sure you can start your engine and then you have the methionine cycle the methionine cycle which look at that as your engine then you got like the sam cycle you got the homocysteine cycle that's how i kind of put together as a vehicle and you want to make sure your vehicle actually rotates actually moves 
So you got to make sure the engine is turning. You got to make sure the drivetrain is turning. <clears throat> and then you have to make sure that the wheels are turning. Yeah. And so if one of those systems is compromised, you're not going to return the engine, which is not going to turn the transmission, which is not going to turn the wheels. And then, so you look at like glutathione production. Yeah. Glutathione production is heavily impacted by methylation, estrogen clearance. When you talk about estrogen dominance, usually that's due to meth poor methylation. Now, yeah. methylation is not the root cause. Something caused that poor methylation. Yeah. Right. But seeing, uh, so I had SIBO. So I had small intestinal bacterial overgrowth. I had, I was pre-diabetic. I had high blood pressure. I had high cholesterol. And I had significant overgrowth of like autoimmune bacteria and everything. Yeah. So it was addressing the microbiome, which improved my methylation, which yeah. then improved my response to produce phosphatidylcholine. Yeah. Okay. which then raised my acetylcholine levels. I also supplement them. Yeah. I take alpha GPC. Yeah. I take phosphatidylcholine yeah. in liposomal form. So I, I use those measures as well to help improve acetylcholine because I just like, I'm always on the computer. I'm always talking to people. I'm always trying to learn. So you're just burning right through it. So I use the necessary substrates yeah. to keep that up. And that's why when I had the conversation with people about uh, ADD or ADHD medications, when you look at what they do is they usually act on dopamine pathways. Yeah. Right. So this is why two avenues, why they work great and then stop working is one that they're going to pretty much block the reuptake of dopamine Yeah, is what they're going to do. But your body responds to this and it down regulates receptors within the brain and it increases the enzymes that break down dopamine. So this is why when you go off of your Vyvanse or your, your Adderall or your Dexedrine or Ritalin, yeah. you have those, what we call withdrawals yeah. because you are not, you have the increased enzyme and downregulated receptors. So yeah. you're not doing a lot with dopamine until you take that medication again. Yeah. But the medication will also disrupt methylation, but also because you're getting this newfound dopamine initially, you're burning through acetylcholine. Yeah. You're not supporting acetylcholine. You're supporting dopamine. Boy, you're not supporting acetylcholine. Yeah. And this is where people get, once again, the withdrawals. Yeah, absolutely. So, right? And so when it comes down to like neurotransmitter, the the big thing is methylation. But then how do we make sure that you are methylating properly? You look at the microbiome. Yeah. You look at the microbiome and its ability to handle what you are throwing at yourself. Yeah. Right? Whatever food you're ingesting, whatever water you are drinking, whatever air you are breathing, it has to go through the gut and the liver and everything. And as long as that's efficient, you should be methylating properly. Yeah. And then also like genetics goes such a long way too. Sure. Right. Like people can just be born with just really great genes that keep methylation going as it should. Yeah. Right. But you gotta be careful because you can also over methylate. So you don't want to just want to take a bunch of methyl donors like yeah. uh methionine, for example, is a great methyl donor. Yeah. Um, you don't want to take a bunch of that. Like if I take it too much for too long, I'm Right. Cracked out. <laughs> like yeah, you're just, overstimulated. You're overmethylated, yeah. right? So like when you begin to learn and you get into those avenues, you can understand the psyche of a lot of things. Saying goes like, we all know that majority of, well, all your neurotransmitters, but we hear this a lot of serotonin is produced in the gut. Yeah. So this is why research and clinical clinics like and everything. 95% of your serotonin? I wouldn't say that high. I think they say 80 or 85. Okay. Either way, it's a lot. Yeah. yeah. Either way, it's a lot. So if you're, if you're, GI tract is compromised, yeah. you're not going to be making a lot of serotonin. Yeah. And most people know I work with a lot of gut cases. Like yeah. I use GI maps and I work with a lot of extreme gut cases. And when we go into these gut cases, you have to break things apart. 
So you're releasing bad things, but you have to do this right. to get the job done. Yeah. Well, so it just makes things 10 times worse. So people just become absolutely miserable, cranky, yeah. poor yeah. sleep, yeah. everything. <laughs> that true statement, things are going to get a lot worse before they get better. Yeah. Yeah. But I can wholeheartedly say, because I went through that myself, yeah. I've had to do it twice. It's worth it in the end. Yeah. You, you just become a whole different person. My mind is capable of things that I never would have thought possible. Wow. The knowledge that I have, which is still this much, which is yeah. extremely minimal, <laughs> is something that I never fathomed that I would have ever obtained. Yeah. And just because of how I used to be. Yeah. And so correcting that stuff is like, just changes your life. Yeah. It just changes your life. And, and it's, it's one of the greatest things I could have ever put myself through. <laughs> yeah. It was hard as hell. Um, but focusing on, okay, what is the actual root cause? Mm -hmm. And we could look, okay, well, like I said, I had SIBO and everything, but what caused that? Then you have to go back even further yeah, exactly. and figure out what caused that and then change your life around that. And that's why trauma is so big because trauma is one of the most powerful, especially un like unresolved trauma yeah. is one of the most powerful causes of health complications. Yeah because of what it does to every physiological aspect of your, of your being. Yeah. Yeah. I've heard a lot about like a lot of, I guess, autoimmune issues are often linked directly to trauma. Yep. And that's also too, cause estrogen. So, yeah. so something that I'm going to start doing, and if you want to get involved too, not that I don't know what really like, cause you're training yourself, but I'm going to start offering like prizes or winning. So I did a plot quiz on my story. Okay. And I asked, I, I'm going to turn this into a post. Um, but I asked, I said, why? Cause women are 80% more likely to contract an autoimmune disease than men. Right. And so I asked that I said, well, what's the deal here? Right. Uh, somebody, does anybody know? And not all, I didn't have a lot of engagement. And so that's why I think I'm going to start offering like, okay, if you get this answer correct and like the harder it is, the better the prize is going to yeah. be. Yeah. But <laughs> I'll say it here. Now, the reason women are much more susceptible to autoimmune diseases is because of estrogen because estrogen promotes like more b cell production right so your adaptive immune so they have stronger immune systems yeah but then too much estrogen too strong the immune system starts attacking tissues yeah right but also too the podcast that i released yesterday was on female sex hormones yeah and i was mentioning that like so many women have low levels of progesterone progesterone can suppress th2 and although that sounds bad it's what it, looking at it is it actually balances out the immune system right. because if you got high estrogen and low progesterone you're overstimulating th2 you're creating way too many t cells and then you eventually just start because like it's like having people around with nothing to do well we got to do something so then they yeah. start attacking tissues yeah right and then also too when you look at high levels of estrogen processed diets destroying the gut mycotoxins biotoxins and everything compromising your tight junctions allowing these molecules through you chicken can resemble a molecule within your body it can resemble a protein tissue within your body yeah so you continuously eat chicken setting off the immune system next thing you know it starts these b cells and t cells start going okay well this looks really familiar let's attack it yeah and then you can get an autoimmune disease that way as well Right. And so, but that trauma could have led to all that stage happening, the yeah. increased estrogen, the compromise of tight junctions, all that kind of stuff. Yeah. And that's, that's why trauma, like trauma is so powerful. 
Like it's just, it's so powerful in the damage that it can create within people. Yeah. And, and, and trauma is very subjective as well because like you have like, here's maybe this is not the great example, but let's take an old farmer. Yeah. His dog, his, his dog gets hit by a truck. Well, there goes Charlie, right? You know what I'm saying? Does that make sense? Like farmers are really tough. Yeah. I'm sure he's hurting that his dog yeah. was killed. If one of my dogs died, I'd yeah. probably be stepping in front of that truck too. Yeah. All right. <laughs> yeah. So trauma is very subjective yeah. as well. Yeah. Right. And so what's trauma to someone might not be trauma. To yeah. Another. It's like the worst thing that's ever happened to you is the worst thing that's happened. Yeah. Right? So exactly. It can be from two very different worlds, but yeah. if it, yeah, if it impacts you mm-hmm. severely, right, that's, yeah, that is what it is. So. Okay. So we went way off of track of yeah. getting to know you. <laughs> so. I love the nerd owls, by the way. Um, <laughs> I couldn't tell. <laughs> yeah, it wasn't obvious. Um, okay, so you moved from Switzerland at four years old. Yeah. And your parents were looking for farms. Yeah. Yeah. So obviously you found one. They settle on a farm uh, way up in northern Alberta. What's northern Alberta? What, like, uh, what? Uh, uh, like Grand Prairie, oh, but yeah. further, further west. Okay. Almost, uh, almost by the, like, BC border. So grew up on the farm. You know, just, I don't know, I guess typical farm life. You're just like working, <laughs> working for the, for the roof over yet. No, I'm just kidding. No, it, was, it was fine. It was like, uh, but like, you know, in a way like kind of isolating, right? Cause you're like, we were half an hour from the nearest town. Like that's like where we went to school and stuff. So you're pretty far out. Like, you know, I guess your, your family or your closest friends in a way, because you're around them constantly. Yeah. And you obviously have friends from school, but like you definitely don't hang out with them every single day. Like, like, let's say a kid growing up in the city, that's like, I'm going over to Billy's house, you know, like yeah. Billy's house is a mile away or a kilometer away. Like I'm not, I'm not going there all the time. Yeah, exactly, <laughs> so, yeah. so you're doing a lot of like, I don't know, just random shit. Uh, you know, I, I grew up hunting, um, funny enough, skateboarding. We, we like really? built a crazy, like skate park in our barn. That's so uh, random. <laughs> yeah, it was it was random, but like, uh, yeah, my brother and I were like super into that. Um, but yeah, kind of just did what we did as kids. Um, how long did you live on the farm then? Uh, like till I was eighteen. Oh, um, like just yeah, they they out at eighteen. Yeah, they just sold it like a couple of years ago. Oh, so they they've had it for they had it for like twenty five years. Um, but yeah, once once I finished high school, I moved to Calgary. Uh, so you know, what was that like then going from farm life to city life? Um, and why Calgary? Uh, so my brother and sister were already here. Okay. They, they kind of all, I guess every two years, we're all two years apart. Every two years, a kid moved to Calgary okay, kind yeah. of thing. And I just, I just moved here cause I was like, yeah, it's like it's a city. I already know a couple people there, yeah, not <laughs> but, um, true. but yeah, I mean, and like, we like lived together when I first moved there and stuff. So, or moved here. Um, but to be honest, like it wasn't like a really huge culture shock or anything like that. Like it wasn't like I was, had never seen a city before or anything, but it was, it was, yeah, I didn't really like feel much shock besides maybe like that little bit of like, I guess like anarchy that like kids, kids growing up on a farm can kind of do whatever they want. Right. Like, you know, we shoot guns, we drive vehicles before we have licenses (laughs) like that kind of stuff. And like, not that I'm, you know, going around Calgary shooting guns, but it's <laughs> like you, you have like maybe a little bit more of a rebellious side because you yeah. haven't had many rules. So like, yeah. you know, there was definitely some, you know, some, 
some things that maybe I did that were a little stupid and, you know. Did you get caught? Uh, no, no. I've never, I mean. It's only stupid once, if you get caught. Yeah, what, once or twice, you know, maybe, <laughs> maybe ended in uh, the back of a police van or something, but no no charges were ever made. It, It's like life experience, <laughs> right? Life experience. Yeah. No, I mean, you know, you do stupid stuff when you're drunk. So, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I guess because you said it was after 18, yeah. Yes. So, yeah, I was of, you know, legal drinking age. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, I mean, you know, you get that stuff out of your system pretty much. When you're young, yeah. yeah. So, okay, so you ended up and then you went to the, uni- you said university? Yeah. For business? Yeah. Quick, quick stint to university before I realized that, uh, yeah, it wasn't for me. And who knows, maybe, uh, maybe if I had my, uh, you know, acetyl t- <laughs> yeah. check. Maybe, maybe studying would be more of a thing. Yeah. Um, no, I mean, I think, I think the whole business side of things was was not really in my wheelhouse of interest because I was always interested in fitness. Like ever since, uh, I think like grade nine when I started like seeing maybe like a bit more like I don't know muscle fitness magazine or something. Just seeing like what people were doing with lifting i guess a lot of it also actually came from just being a small person growing up i was always a small kid a skinny kid okay. i had that insecurity of being a, a small skinny kid and oh you know no one none of these girls like me because i'm because i'm tiny yeah. so of course you you grow a little bit of a uh whatever you call that just just an insecurity about it and you know the way to fix that was to to lift some weights so i started lifting weights back in you know, grade nine or grade like a farm gym. Uh, Only no, farm. like we had, we did have like a, like a, I don't know, like a multi, like a multi, uh, exercise, like machine, you know, like okay. those plate loaded, like, like at home. Yeah, yeah. Like it was like, you know, like you had like a pull down bar, a leg press, yeah. like a, you know, the multi gym or what? Yeah. It was just like, yeah. it was like, yeah, this like, piece that had things sticking out of all sides all the boys are yeah. squealing yeah exactly. <laughs> so squeaky uh, <laughs> definitely had that and like not that i used it a ton like the the high school had a gym so i as soon as i got into high school it was like all about it and you know at first what started off as just like trying to you know fix my insecurity of being small basically turned into like an actual passion for fitness and it's funny i talked to a guy that I went to high school with like a couple of years ago and he was like man you're like the only guy from high school that was like in the weight room that like like he said he was gonna become a bodybuilder and he did like <laughs> 10 years later or you know 15 years later whatever it was and it, it was kind of funny because I was like oh I didn't even realize I had that goal I didn't even realize I talked about that because I don't know it's all a blur back then right but I was like I didn't realize that I even had that intention i was just like feeding this you know this insecurity of like i just don't want to be the smallest guy anymore <laughs> yeah yeah which i mean that's i think it's a lot of a lot of people get into it for that reason like they're trying to fix something about themselves not that that's the right approach but yeah you know we all have insecurities so whether it's i need better confidence or i need you know less sadness or less unhappiness like mm-hmm. i'm gonna try and supplement it with, you know, exercise or, or again, building muscle or something. But, um, yeah, it kind of naturally turned into, Hey, I obviously love fitness and why don't I try to make a career out of it? So I just did like a little bit of research, found like AFLCA. It's like an Alberta 
certification. And that was like my first ever like education on anything fitness. Okay. Did this certification just to get my foot in the door and actually went to World Health. Um, back in the day, it was called World Health. And uh, I think Josh said he was there as well. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. yeah he, uh, I feel like that's where everybody goes. I think, I think it's like your first, yeah, it's like the, the entry level. It's like the A&W. Job, you know? <laughs> that was my first job. That was A&W. Yeah. And I uh, just like, I actually worked for free for a week to get that job. Really? They weren't looking, they weren't looking for anybody. Uh, or so the manager said anyways. Yeah. And I was like, well, I really, I really want this job. And he's like, okay, well just like go talk to some people. He, he actually gave me these little tasks every day. He's like, go get me three people's names, age, what they're do, what they do for a living and like what their goal is. And he was like, go do that and come back. And so I would like, go do that. I go talk to random people in this gym. He like gave me a shirt, like a, you know, a little uniform, Star Trek uniform, as we used to call it. It actually looked like a little Star Trek uniform. It was hilarious. <laughs> um, I did that. And I like did these little strange tasks every day for like a week. And then like, I think it was literally like Monday to Friday and on, I think I came in Saturday or something and he was like, or it was Friday night. He was like, Hey, go celebrate. You, you get the job. You, you stuck around all week, like working for free, like doing these little things. He's like, you earned it. So that was my first personal training job. And what age was this? 2011. So I would have been 19. 19. Man, that that's that's extremely extremely admirable. Can you imagine a nineteen year old now being told, "Hey, you got to work for free for a week"? Yeah, there's no way they would. Yeah, good luck. There's no way they would. Like that's that's amazing. But that was it. Like it was it was like the farm boy mentality of like, I've I've worked for free my whole life. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> one more week. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, that's awesome though. But that's that was cool. literally like he was like, "You obviously have good work ethic. Like I'll hire you based off that." Yeah. We don't even need anybody right now. But he was like, you obviously have a good work ethic. That's that's what I'm looking for in people. So managed to get my first gig. And um, yeah, I mean, the rest just kind of kept evolving. I you know went from World Health for a couple of years. And then I actually went and did a personal training diploma. Um, At uh, with It was called Elevated Learning Academy. They actually I, had like I've heard of that, yeah. a PT-specific diploma. Okay. Um, and you do like a... Uh, whatever you do, like a practical, I guess, like position at a gym and stuff like that. So I got like taken under the wing of this guy. I'll give him a shout out, Jeff Aker. He literally kind of mentored me from being just like this kid who lifted to someone who actually knew how to lift yeah, or like okay. knew knew what he was doing in the gym and not just saying, "Hey, I've worked out before. Let me let me show you what I do, kind of thing. Look at my abs. Pay me. <laughs> like literally, when you're when you're first starting out, you're literally like, "Here's what I do. That will probably work for this person." So you just you just teach what you know, right? And I mean, that's really all you should do. Is We've all done it. You know. yep. But um, I started to actually learn a bit more, and obviously, like the schooling helped, but then applying it to the real world scenario. So. Um, yeah. And I was like basically self-employed from that point on, uh, till now. So like over a decade. So a after world health, you became self-employed like Yeah, once you got the yeah, diploma. Exactly. Well, and especially cause like world health only has employees, like they don't do contractors yeah. or anything like that. Um, and I knew that like, I didn't want to be giving people half my paycheck costly. Like 
big box gyms, you know, there's nothing wrong with big box gyms, but that model must require them to take 50% of what someone charges, or at least that's what they claim. <laughs> I used to <laughs> got to do it. Got to pay the bill. I used to work for Good Life Fit. But yeah, like you know, you're you're giving away half your your rate essentially to to the to the bosses or to the organization. So I I knew that that number one was a cap for how much I could work because you can only work so many hours a day, and then in that scenario, you only can make so much giving half of, half of it away. Yeah, you can't charge. $200 an hour and expect to be super busy, especially yeah. when you first start out. Yep. Um, so yeah, I went to uh, a few different places, but I ended up being an uh, urban athlete in Kensington, which was a good gym. They allowed me to do kind of like a subcontract position. Did they um, do you paid per month or paid per session? I still paid per session okay. and it, it was better, but it was still like a 60, 40 or something. Like okay. it wasn't great. So it was good. It was better. And I, again, I, I kind of got taken under the wing of this guy who was really well educated and he had been in the business for a long time. So I was like, I want to learn. I don't mind paying, you know, for a bit of this education of just working with this person and, and some of the other people there. Um, and then eventually meeting Leo and King's Fitness, you know, he was like, what year was that? Come check this out. Um, I think it was 2018. Like I met him in 2017. Okay. Um, just cause he, we, my current, my current, <laughs> my now wife, uh, <laughs> my then girlfriend, yeah, Jackie, yeah, yeah. we did our first bodybuilding competition, natural bodybuilding in 2017. And we met Leo and Charlotte cause they had just taken over the Federation. Yeah. WNBF. So we met them and then we kind of got to know them and we actually became good friends. And yeah, not too long after that, he was like, Hey, like, why don't you come check out this space? Or like, if you're looking for, you know, maybe a bit more of a lucrative place to take your training, you know, this is what I've got. And he's got an amazing setup, as you know, where he makes it work for the trainers. Like he's, he's not doing it for like, Hey, I want to make a ton of money off these trainers. He's like, I'm going to give these trainers are an awesome place to train and they get to keep most of what they charge. And it's just, it's a, it's for the trainers and that's what I've always appreciated. But he's also, he's been a trainer. Yeah. None of my previous bosses is that have ever been trainers. Yeah, They've okay. just been business owners. So they look at it as a business. Yeah. They see the How can I get the most amount out of these people? How can I create more green over my operating yeah. costs? Right. So, um, yeah, I mean, it was a no-brainer to yeah. to move to a place that barely charges um, trainers to to work there. So yeah, I'm trying. I got a I got a bugly. I'm trying to get him on the podcast, or he said he would. He's yeah. got to give me a schedule or whatever for sure. Um, but try to remember. I don't think I would have been long after you then, because I remember it was the small area that he was in. But you would have been. I didn't. I didn't. I started at this current. Oh really? It was 2019 when I oh, actually. Really? moved ships but i met him back in 2017 oh, okay. and i had i had been to the other gyms like yes. his, his previous gyms and i'd been there like for posing and for uh, like bodybuilding workshops and stuff like that so i'd seen you know the other gyms the bay the bay gyms right like, yeah yeah uh, so he's straight and narrow yeah. and a little yeah. tiny area but um but yeah, no, so I think you would have probably already started in one of those ones, right? Yeah, so I started in the one that was by the impound 
Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I yeah, started yeah, in that one. Yeah, because then I helped him move. Yeah, to the big one, which was like, like Leo. Leo inspires me. Like I just like you're you're entirely right about like his just whole the way he looks at things, and it is it's giving people an opportunity. Yeah, giving people a really good opportunity, and like just to go from like when I met him in the area that they were in and everything, and to go to this like new space and now another private gym, and it's just it's really nice. It it's very like heartwarming <laughs> to yeah. watch this all unfold. Absolutely. And he's, there's such good people that yeah. deserve it. Right? Yeah. I'm not, I'm not kissing ass. Like I'm, no. I'm just being dead soon. hundred percent. No, I couldn't agree. It's the reality like, of it. The fact that like, yeah, people like that, that do, do these things for the benefit of everyone else around them. Like they've always been like the most poor, like they're the people that want others to succeed. So like, it's only right that they're having awesome success with their business. yeah like exactly yeah. well i mean like christmas rolls around they gift us birthdays yeah. around there like, yeah absolutely. it's 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 what you would want a, uh like although leo isn't technically a boss yeah right but it's like what you would want a boss to be yeah you yeah, know what absolutely. i mean like you it's enjoyable coming in there yeah you know and like you see leo and it's like you have that respect as he is the higher power he is the business owner but at the same time you're like Hey, how was your weekend? Yeah. What's going on? Do and he's also in there doing sessions, right? Like yeah. he's still, he's still in the trenches. He's still doing training. He still understands what it's like to be a trainer. Yep. He's not in this like patriarchal position or whatever way like, kind of thing. Yeah. He's like, ah, oh, I'm up here and you guys are down there. No, he's yeah. like, I'm just one of the guys. Like I happen to have a space, like mm -hmm. come train here. Yeah. Yeah, we need to like could work the other people and knock down that wall and <laughs> yeah, it's like one big ass dip. Because even now, and like it's it's funny because it's like a double edged sword. Because as I mentioned, it is very heartwarming to see King's Fitness continue to grow. Yeah, but there's sometimes you go in there like, oh man, there's too many people now. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, it's grown too much. Yeah, right. So it's like, hey, let's just knock down this wall. Yeah. Let's get these other guys out of here and be nice to have a bigger location. But because he also invested into another gym, didn't he? So the Fifth Avenue. He's, yeah, so him and Rod, mm -hmm. I believe, partnered to buy Fifth Ave, and they, they kept it the same, like, it's, it's still Fifth Ave Club, it's not, like, a, a second Kings or anything yeah. like that, um, and I think that's kind of just a, kind of totally separate, but, you know, similar venture, um, mm -hmm. but I'm guessing you don't actually know this yet, but they actually are expanding to the neighboring location Century Casino is out of business. That's that's because that's right next to us, right next right? door. That's what I thought I heard, but that whole there's like a twenty thousand square foot space yeah. that he's moving into, like he's and he's like moving a, kings into that. Yeah, so he's just moving next door, but he's over doubling the space. Yeah, because I heard so, that. Who did I hear that from? I heard it from somebody, and then but then it was like, then I heard that they bought Fifth Avenue. So then that's what everybody thought. Yeah. Was what that move was. So yeah. when's he taking over Central Casino? I don't know. I think it's still a little ways away because I'm yeah. assuming they're still like, I don't know if they're still moving all that stuff out or yeah. whoever, you know, went out of business or whatever happened. I don't know what happened. There's so many cars there then. Well, so the one side, like the bowling and arcade oh, side is yeah. still, it's separate and it's still operating. Like that's right. not going to change, but it's the whole other side. Because the work game is a bowling afterwards. Exactly. <laughs> Play some arcade games, claw, right? Do a warm up. Go, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah I, I thought I heard that's amazing, man. That's so exciting to hear because yeah. I, I, like I said, I heard that at some point, but I wasn't sure 
and and just to see it's like oh that's a relief because yeah like things are getting tight in yeah there, like with yeah. all the equipment and with the equipment and all the people oh yeah for sure yeah and so that so then they're completely getting rid of the one we're in now then i assume yeah, yeah. Okay. i don't know too many details but i assume it's just gonna be yeah. Might as well. That space is so much bigger. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And moving won't be that difficult then. No, exactly. <laughs> like it literally it's gonna come carry, with pallet jacks. Literally carry lawn. <laughs> yeah. Just get one member to carry one piece of equipment over yeah. there. Well, because when when we moved from the other location, there was only a handful of us, but it was also a lot smaller. Yeah. And I remember nobody was comfortable driving the big truck, so I had to drive the big yeah. truck. <laughs> and uh, so yeah, we had to move everything over and. We got a lot done in one day, but that just shows yeah. you how much he like kind of didn't have at that time. Yeah. Now, even moving such a short distance, it's gonna take a couple of days. Oh yeah, like it's yeah. gonna take a couple of days. Yeah, just carrying, um, like just getting those, like the sheer weight of plates. Right, right? <laughs> probably a fucking thousand plates in that gym. Is he getting more too? Because I saw he was yeah. selling some that I figured he was going to be getting more. And yeah. That and that's the cool. Okay, so going back to like talk about like dopamine and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. That's the cool thing about this gym. It's just always changing. Yeah. There's always like a new piece of equipment coming yeah. in or plates are changing or you move something around. And even if it's something so simple and not like impactful, it's just yeah. the fact that there was change. Yeah. Because like I live for change. Yeah. I don't like things constantly. Like if you saw how many times I changed this office around, for yeah. example, <laughs> it won't change much now though because this is just like the perfect setup for the yeah. podcast, but the next change will be moving yeah. and going to a bigger space yeah. and stuff. But like I've, I really like that about Kings is something's always yeah. changing. Always upgrading, always like, oh yeah, let's let's replace that machine for a newer version or- Yeah, or something breaks and yeah. gets fixed. Like I don't know what it was like at World Health, but when oh, I worked yeah. at Good Life Fitness, they were broken. Out of, out of service for weeks, yeah. months. Yeah, right. Never fixed them. Because yeah. I know at Good Life Fitness, they only had one guy that was for like in charge yeah. of like a yeah. ridiculous amount of Good Life Fitness. Yeah, exactly. And so like that's what's nice about Leo. Even though nothing really breaks other than those really expensive Prime Fitness machines, <laughs> <laughs> which I convinced him to get, eh? Oh, that's hilarious. Like yeah. the free motion ones? Yeah. Okay, ones? Yeah. So like, and I told him, I was like, you better be getting some money back or something because like I've never heard of them breaking that much. Right. And I remember I went on, like I still really like prime like yeah, yeah, not here sure. trash prime but i went on it was like kind of trolling and i was like on their comment section they come up they're like oh they dm'd me and everything they're like please send us this and that i was just laughing i was like yeah. fine like it's leo is you taking care of it yeah um but yeah that's exactly it. like he's got all this new like not a lot of people understand prime fitness i'm very much uh and a lot of people don't know this about me either. A lot of people think I'm the, like the functional health, nutrition and everything, but I'm very big with biomechanics. Yeah. Like I've also, you know, created a lot of results with that. And the way Prime Fitness has designed their equipment, it's like none other. Oh yeah. It's, it's like none the line. And like even their, their cam system of yeah. like being able to change like range and profile stuff. It's, yeah. that's insane. I've never seen anything like that yeah. before. And so that's why I convinced me yeah. to get it because I yeah. love them, right? Yeah. And uh, so that's another like huge selling feature is no other gym has these. But as mentioned, the only complication with that is like, oh, hey, come to King's Fitness. We have private fitness equipment. Most people are like, what the hell is that? Yeah, <laughs> what the hell is that? I don't know what that means. Right. And so like I actually considered doing like I was going to talk to Leo about doing like a crash, like maybe getting you involved too and doing like a crash course, like explain to people, do a video Right. why this equipment is so great and like yeah. kings can post it on their thing yeah and just like because when you see what you can do with that equipment as you mentioned the cam system or just yeah. the way uh you know like for example the way if because like what's your how tall are you i'm five nine right so i'm like on a 
like good day six one yeah we'll call it okay <laughs> and i know that because a girl measured me once <laughs> and uh actually I, i'll tell you this people will laugh at this so i was on dating apps before yeah right and i put that i was six one on my profile because when i go on an inversion table that's where i set it and that's where i'm at, like the perfect what it says right to the okay. inversion table so i just put six one well i went and met this girl and she put she was five ten on her profile, and so I meet her, and she was like six feet. Oh, which, which is fine. That's <laughs> totally fine. And I yeah. said to her, I was like, "You're not five ten. And she's like, "Yeah, no, I know. I'm more like five nine or whatever." I'm like, "What?" I was like, "No." I'm <laughs> yes. like, "You're almost like six feet." And she's like, "No, you're just not six one." And I'm like, "Yes, I am six one." She's like, "Goes and grabs a tape measure." <laughs> I was like, "Oh God, please be six one." And she's like, "Oh, you're actually six one." I was like, "Right, big breath in." Right. <laughs> but anyways, where I was going with that is, although you are shorter than me, if you sat in my car, you would have to move the seat back. Right. Because of the way my body is, it's like the way my leg. structure, right? So on a regular seated leg curl at any other gym, I, my hamstrings, I just, no matter how, where I put, like you're supposed to put at the um, anchor point there and yeah, everything. Joint. Yeah. And it doesn't matter. But that pride fitness equipment, even I have another uh, good friend of mine, Sean, even he was just like, wow, like your hands should just get annihilated. Oh, yeah. And I've never experienced that before with any other seated leg curl. Yeah. 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 I don't know what it is about those machines. Uh, specifically, yeah, the hamstring curl. Mm -hmm. see the hamstring. Nothing's blasted my hamstrings like that thing has. Mm -hmm. Like, like just debilitating. Yeah, I know. That's really good. And then you can even like, <laughs> And like, for those that don't know what Toby was talking about, like the cam is if you could change the cam so you can make it harder at the top of the movement or harder at the bottom movement yeah. for simplicity's sake. Um, and so like what you could do is like, you could make it harder in the shortened position, fatigue that aspect, and then like superset it and change the cam. And so it's harder the, in the lengthened yeah. range now yeah. and hit a totally different stimulus. Yeah, and exactly. you do that all just sitting there. Yeah. Like, and like all the research now is coming out saying like, uh, load in the stretch position is optimal, right? For growth. Yeah. For her. not all the time, but like yep. most, you know, most of the time. Um, and so like having machines where you can actually adjust where the tension is the highest or where the intensity yep. is the highest actually gives you control over that versus just being subject to the yep. exercise, right? Like usually hamstring curls don't have a very high load at the stretch position because yep. it's usually either at complete rest or like like a lying hamstring curl, like you're not hinged at the hips, you're, you're not, you're not hinged at the hips, you're not getting stretched yeah. or, you know, you set the weight down or whatever. So like yeah. it actually gives you that opportunity yeah. to like train it optimally. Sure. It's probably like the difference of like maybe 5% yeah. gains, but you know, that could add up over time. Absolutely. Right? Like 5% over the course of five years. Yeah. Like you're going to. Another big thing I like too, um, is okay. Let's say you, you want to lengthen the hamstring. So you could do that seated leg curl. You could set the cam position to the length it and then lean forward to get more stretch, Yeah, which is better than somebody who let's say has a lower back issue doing RDLs yeah. or like you have a female where they have already overdeveloped traps. So you don't want to contribute more to that overdevelopment. Yeah. So you put them on the seated leg curl and you hinge at the hips and you do that great way to hit them in the length and tension. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Right. And so like, that's, what's so amazing about that equipment. Cause most equipment, so like take the lying leg curl, for example. Yeah. You know, the blue one in the corner. Yeah. Right. That one, the resistance profiles backwards. Yeah. Exactly. It's heaviest at the bottom where you want it heaviest at the top. Yeah. Now, sure. You could still utilize that portion. I would prefer the seated leg curl or RDL, but 
theoretically, most people are going to hop on the line leg curl to be more biased towards the shortened position. Yeah. Right. And that's where that machine is a little bit off. Yeah. Right. It's same with like leg extension. Yeah. They'll do the complete opposite. Right. And so it's just the way cams are designed. And so when you look at it, and so what we mean by cams, think of it as like a moon shape. So when you adjust the cam, if you want it heavier in the shortened position, as the, as you, let's say a leg extension, you extend your leg, that cable is going to be further away from the cam. So all the tension is pulling, but if you want it on the bottom, the cam is moon shaped. So now the cable at top will be resting on the cam, yeah. decreasing the tension at top. But as you come down, because what a lot of people are unfamiliar with the, f let's take just example, well, no cables, dumbbells, anything, the further you are away from the joint, the heavier it will be. So when you're talking a dumbbell bicep curl, when you're standing there, normally arms at your side, when you're mid, that's, it's going to be heaviest here because it's the furthest away from the joint and gravity. Yeah. Right. When you're on a cable machine, if you want it to be uh, heaviest in the shortened position, you're going to set the cable up here yeah. because it's further away from the joints. And I guess for viewers that aren't watching, it's further away from my elbow. But if you're watching, if I adjust the the cable down here now it's closer it's going to be easier in the shortened position yeah right and so if i want to hit it in the lengthened position i'm going to face away and have the cable pulling from behind me furthest away from my elbow yeah so it's like a like tricep crossovers if you want to make it harder in the shortened position just step back more yeah because then you're moving that cable further away from the joint and the same goes for like a barbell rdl yeah. that's why dumbbells aren't as efficient they're not wrong but they're not as efficient because most people ride them too close to their legs yeah and they and have that, those dead zones too, yeah. where there's literally no tension at the yeah. bottom or at the top or whatever. Yeah, exactly. Just take breaks. <laughs> right. And so that's interesting that you bring that up though, because there has, there was uh, some controversy around that and you could look at it in two lights. There is, yes, you are decreasing tension off the muscle, but it also does give you an opportunity to use more weight. Yeah. Oh, for sure. Right. Like you take those micro breaks, right. Rest pauses or whatever you want yeah. to call it. And it'll give you like more output over time. Yes. Right? In terms of maybe adding a bit more weight or whatever. Yeah. Um, and that's, and that's totally fine, I guess, if you control it or if you can track it. But that's the thing, right? Is like, are you counting how long you pause at the top of a bicep or do you just start to pause longer as you get tired? Right. Or yeah. do you wait at the bottom of your bicep curl yeah. a little longer? Right. <laughs> it's, it's, it's just one of those variables. Like if there, if that variable's removed, then there's no option to like, mm -hmm cheat yourself really i guess and that's yeah. i'm not like disagreeing by any no i think it's one saying. of those things where it's like it's a it's a tool right like yeah. resting during your set is a tool yeah but if you're not tracking it or being consistent then it's going to your body's going to screw you over because yeah. like it's going to look for a path of least resistance or yeah i don't know way to rest. Just gonna, exactly it's going to try to conserve it. energy yeah. in some way by just resting it. Yeah. Fraction. Well, that's like with the bicep curl when you start to do this instead of staying at your side. Yeah. This makes it yeah, easier. Exactly. That's why I program tempo. Yeah. So I in my workout programs, all like if I want you to pause at the top, you should always be pausing at the top because I yeah. have it programmed three oh one one. So that yeah. goes back to what you were saying about tracking. You have to track that. Yeah. Yeah. Because yeah, if you did it one workout and then you didn't do it the next, then yeah. you're not getting the same result. Yeah. You didn't get weaker, you just made it harder. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> right. Or vice right. versa. Yeah. And that it's, I don't know why this just came into my head when you said that it's like comparing yourself. So taking, let's take Mark. Okay. How tall is Mark? What? Six, three, six, yeah. four. 
probably yeah. all guys. Same with Matthew, right? And those these are other trainers at King's Fitness. Um, and his arm span is much longer than ours. Yeah. So t- a ten pound dumbbell lateral raise to him is going to be a lot heavier yeah. than a ten pounds to us. Yeah, it's probably like you could probably almost say like ten pounds to him is probably fifteen pounds to us, relatively. Yeah. Right. Like that moment arm, that distance away like, from the joint, probably six to ten. <laughs> yeah. Wingspan. Right? Exactly. Yeah. And people don't understand that, and they compare. Yeah. And they compare this, and it's like. It's like, oh, like I lifted more than that guy or whatever. Yeah. I'm saying, yeah, but your arm span is half. Yeah. yeah. So when you see a guy that's six four squatting four hundred pounds, you're like, could that dude is strong? Yeah. Like yeah. he's got such a long way to go. Yeah. So much more distance to <laughs> and so yeah. much more tension. Yeah. Like, and a lot of people don't understand that. A lot of people don't understand it. Sometimes I don't take that away from people though, because if it makes them feel better and yeah. like be motivated and work harder, yeah. all the power to you. Yeah. Right, all the power. They're shit talking. Yeah, yeah. So <laughs> you're in more ways than you, right? Because you get like you'll get, uh, you'll get. Uh, once again, I promise, I'm not knocking on anyone, but you get shorter, small girls that are hip thrusting like 400 pounds. Well, for one, their lower back is on the bench, not their shoulder blades, and they have like this far to move. <laughs> right. So it's like now put your shoulder blades on there. That weight's getting cut in half. Yeah. Because that distance between the joint is so much further, which is increasing the amount of weight that's to be honest it's kind of what makes me laugh about bench press at powerlifting meets yes there is such a dramatic difference in like range of motion when you do like i don't know i guess what you would consider normal bench press yeah versus like a competition where they go as wide as possible mm-hmm. and they arch their chest up and they literally don't even go past 90 with their elbows they're just like so where at least come from I think it's just like, I don't think they were able to regulate how wide you need to, or how narrow you need to keep your hands. Maybe Someone just took advantage of it. And I think mm-hmm. because you can't regulate, like, it's kind of like the squat thing. It's like, you can't tell someone where to put their feet because everyone's hips are going to be different. So like you would get into like gray territory with telling okay. someone how wide they need to squat or how narrow they need to squat. So that's why sumo exists Yes, because that's the extreme point of width that they can get away with essentially is right up against the rack or right up against the du- the the plates with the deadlift or something mm. and it's the same thing with bench it's like that's just the limit to how far i can take it and yeah i used to, to um of it. i used to knock sumo a lot yeah. mainly because what like people think it's great for xyz when it's not as efficient right. as other movements but then at the end of the day, even if I'm sumo squatting 400 pounds, I'm like, there's a lot more weight that I can <laughs> squat. It's all hard. Like, it's exactly. not like none of that's, none of it's like, oh, it's magically easier. You can yeah. do 200 extra pounds if you do yeah. sumo or, or wide. It's like, no, it's all still really heavy and hard. Like, yeah. props to any power lifter. But it's just funny when you sometimes look at, yeah, like someone benching and they literally move the bar like six inches. I know. Call it a bench. <laughs> yeah, I know. It's insane. And like, I actually, that's what, like, but, that's one of the biggest reasons yeah. why I want to get Leo on here. Cause I want to yeah. talk to him about yeah. that. Cause that's like what he does a lot of yeah. his power yeah, lifting yeah. or exactly. whatever. And, and I've always been curious as to like how that came to be. Yeah. Right. Because, but I always tell people like the difference, like, and you talk about like being a farmer and everything, like you talk, you hear that. Uh, term farmer strength yeah because there's like yes research has shown that more muscle does mean more potential for strength 
Right. Right. But the strength mainly comes from the central nervous system. Right. And so farmers, like I've done, a, no, obviously not to your extent, but I dated or was a horse trainer. So I like throwing bales around and, yeah. and stuff like this. So I had a little bit of experience of the farm life, not like I said, just a very little, but like you're using a lot of joints yeah, and you're doing a lot of things and like that taxes your C your CNS. Yeah. Right. And, and like, that's where, that's how I explained to people. I said the difference between bodybuilding and powerlifting is bodybuilders are trying to find the most difficult way to lift that weight exactly where powerlifters are trying to find the easiest exactly. way to lift that weight yeah, yeah. i literally use that exact yeah. same explanation of people because i think it's hilarious it's like yeah they're trying to find the most efficient route and whereas like yeah. bodybuilders are like how can i make this even harder yeah how can i make this worse right and 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 like less efficient exactly and i I don't know if you saw my story recently but i shared there was a recent study showing that and there's been more well saying like yeah you need to change your programming up so like bodybuilders should be doing power lifting for maybe short periods of the year because the stronger you are that can potentiate hypertrophy so for those that have worked with me so like i kind of went on like it kind of i was like oh this is for you haters out there because a lot of people have questioned my periodization sure and like periodization really works well with uh like diseases and such because are you familiar with something called uh, a medication was metformin yeah so metformin what it does is it stimulates a molecule called ampk yeah and that opens up your glute receptors and your glute four receptors to, and so you need less insulin. Yeah. Right. That's how they use diabetes. Uh, address diabetes is one way. You can do a training phase that does the exact same thing as that. Does the exact same thing as that stimulates that AMPK molecule yeah. without the side effects. Wow. And it improves glycogen retention and glute four receptors. So it's a really good phase to use to like before a show. Yeah. When you want to carb up. Yeah. It's the simplicity of it, it makes is you really like insulin sensitive. But yeah, but it also really fills you out. So I actually have a video on YouTube. I gained 6.6 pounds in like five days. Nice. And it was, te- it was all temporary. Yeah, yeah, it was all just sure. glycogen. Yeah. But I did 1,200 to 1,500 grams of carbs a day. Yeah. I did eight by eight sets. Yeah. 30 second rest periods. All shortened position exercises. Yeah. And that stimulates, like you'll just soak up glucose. Yeah. So when I have somebody with diabetes or high inflammation, because we know inflammation will create insulin resistance, yeah. I will use this training phase. Interesting. And they will drop their blood sugars. And it will decrease their inflammation yeah. without using any medication. Yeah. So what you could do that in terms of like, let's say performance or bodybuilding is you come in here, you do a strength training phase, yeah. powerlifting phase, you improve your CNS, you become stronger. Then you go into this AMPK training phase, you increase your glycogen retention, and then you go into hypertrophy. Yeah. So now you have more strength, more glycogen retention for more output. Yeah. And you improve your hypertrophy phase. Yes. And then you push the high volume. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. And so that's what that study was showing. Yeah. Right. You have to, you have to like show me that study. That's interesting. I'm never yeah. heard of that. Yeah. Is yeah. I can't say his name, Melon Helmsens or whatever. He's oh yeah. Menno Hensel. Yeah. Yeah. Him. Yeah. 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 He shared that yeah. study or whatever. Bayesian so. bodybuilder. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right. He's so hard to understand sometimes. He is. Yeah. <laughs> Dude's smart though. And very he, he knows how to like break down very studies and information. I always yeah. say that I believe that is a, a very big sign of intelligence is taking something extremely complicated and being able to teach a child. Yeah. Yeah. 
right? Yeah. And I think that is, that's something that I've been working on yeah. a lot over the years because it doesn't matter how much you know if you cannot, you know. Yeah, if you can't articulate yeah, what, right? all the crazy shit going on in your head. <laughs> all right. Yeah. Uh, yeah. That's what I vote. And this is such a random tangent, but like Neil deGrasse Tyson is like so well known for that. Like he can take physics concepts and mm-hmm. explain it to someone who doesn't know anything about physics or like, yeah. I've always, like, I, I'm a bit of like a space nerd. Like I just, I, I hear you. I, I love, hear you. I love everything about that. And like planets, I'll just stare at the sky sometimes and I'm just. Beautiful. Man. Yeah. I'm just beautiful. It, like whatever trends. Have you, have you listened to Neil deGrasse on like Joe Rogan or something? I have. Yeah. It's so funny because Joe can't get a word in at all. Oh yeah. No, <laughs> he's just, and, and like he'll actually interrupt him like no 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 <laughs> yeah and i think i think it's joe it's so accepts funny. that going into For that sure. yeah right but I, I yeah i agree with you i love space it gives me a headache though oh it's, just try to think about it absolutely i think I, it's it's healthy to have an understanding of how complicated and like vast the universe is though because sometimes when you're bogged down with like stupid shit that's actually quite trivial it can be a good reminder that it's like Oh, this is just like a silly little problem that I am giving way too much power over myself. Yes. Like, I don't know, you know, like dog pees on the carpet. <laughs> yeah. Oh, like sometimes you're in a like pre-stress state and it's like, yep. you know, like, oh my God, this is the worst thing that's ever happened to me right now. And then it's like, no way. <laughs> exactly. Right. This is, this is super trivial. Do you believe there's life out there? Yes. Because I think, and I mean, I, I don't know any of this because I don't do these crazy calculations, but they, they've essentially calculated the sheer number of possible planets in the Goldilocks zone, like the, the zone around, like in proximity to the sun that can support life. Right. Mm. And they said, just light years again. I don't actually know. I don't know the value or anything. I would try to remember what we are from the sun anyways um but there's a zone where it's you know it's not too hot not too cold for life and they've calculated out how many possible planets not possible how many planets are in that zone and how many there are in the universe and they're like there is too many to say that there isn't like a high probability of life they're not saying like for sure but it's like the 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 i guess the sheer number of planets in that zone because every star you see at night has multiple planets and we're seeing like a teeniest fraction of those stars because we have such a small amount of visual capacity there's literally like this is probably like i don't know point zero zero one of the stars out there or something you know what i mean like it's an insane amount and all of those stars have planets and a good chunk of them have them in that zone. It's like, how could there not be? Like, there's literally out of a billion planets, how could there not be at least a little bit of life, right? Right. And, and that's when oh, it's so overwhelming. It's overwhelming, so but overwhelming. it's also like amazing because you're like, oh, that's really fucking cool. Yeah. And maybe we happen to be on a similar timeline because that's like, I don't know, and we can get into aliens, right? Now. <laughs> like you know, why haven't we been visited yet and all this shit? And it's like, well, you realize that like we'd have to line up just right in terms of our timing because like the, like our moment right now where we're alive 
is such a small sliver in the grand scheme of yeah I, nobody understands that you know like nobody if you think of that. it as like a 24-hour day we are one half a second of that entire day yeah is our lifespan yeah. and the fact like to expect some other alien to also be traveling through space during that time mm-hmm. and happening to you know come upon us that's it's a very small probability that they would notice us essentially yeah exactly because they would also have to be around for a long time or something like that yeah i've, I've heard that one another one that i really like that makes you think they see is... us and they turn away <laughs> not bad <laughs> fuck these guys <laughs> i'm mad but okay so you know the stereotypical alien yeah right? like you've yeah. gone like so if you look at the way society is going okay everything's becoming much more convenient we're talking about neural link to where they're braille and everything we're having less children, yeah. all that kind of stuff. So now we see like the stereotypical alien, which is like a big head, no sex organs, no muscle. They think aliens are us from the future. Yeah. Is what yeah. they think. Yeah. I've heard it because like, that's where it's going with like, especially with all the like, uh, I'm trying to remember what the term is, but all the like basically hormones that are in our food and all that stuff, like everything that we're accidentally changing in our in ourselves like through like toxins and plastics and all that stuff it's physically making our sexes less far apart right like men like i guess female and and male are slowly becoming closer together because of like all these like chemicals and stuff we're exposed to so like it's not unlikely that eventually we'll be this like unified entity of just like sexless right technologically people <laughs> well did but you know oh go on sorry i was just gonna say the when you when you mentioned like our stereotypical like vision of what an alien would be i've also like i, I really like this approach where it's like what if like aliens don't look at all like us like we 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 create this image of aliens in our head and it's like oh they have a head they have legs they have arms they have five fingers or three fingers but it's like that's the furthest that our brain could get creatively. Mm-hmm. It's like they could literally be pure electricity. They could be like dust or they could be like smoke or they could be, you know, water or, you know what I mean? Like they could be a completely different shape or like uh, reality in a sense. Like they could be something we don't even interact with. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. They could be something we don't even see. Yeah. Right. Yeah, so I and that's like the craziest part. It's like so they also might not even be like humans, or even yeah. on the same like yep. plane as us. Know, and that's the craziest part. It's like they, there's probably aliens here right now. <laughs> yeah, they're watching. They're watching us. They're like these fuck morons. People listening. People listening. Yeah, people listening to like what the fuck are they talking about? <laughs> so, anyways, well, let's get back to physiology then. <laughs> I love. I could definitely. I could do a whole podcast talking about aliens. Maybe you should do an after hours, right? Right. Whiskey and uh, you know some candle and the shit. Just talk about aliens. Hundred percent. I would so be game for that. But I want to comment on your uh, where you were talking about how we're talking like male and female becoming closer. I saw today that testosterone levels are down twenty five percent. Okay, I'm gonna interrupt real quick. I heard this weird thing where like apparently, and this is really random, but like they were saying that like penis length is getting longer so i heard that what is too? up with that okay, i just i heard, I heard about it i didn't look into it the only thing about let's so call the it opposite news. of like the hormones the hormones are going in the opposite direction of like right you know, but let's call, let's call that news yeah okay i do believe go ahead everybody can make fun of me unfollow me whatever that there's an agenda behind news 
Oh yeah. Right. And so by like, they're trying to take away potentially, I'm not saying this is it, but there could be the fact that they're maybe trying to distract and take away from what is actually happening. So everybody's in fear that testosterone is declining, declining, right. that penis size is decreasing. Yeah. So let's say otherwise that no, it's not, and then take that away from people. Right. So then they can maybe calm down or whatever yeah. and stop worrying so much. Yeah, yeah. Or who knows what kind of agenda that could be, could be going on with that. The only reason why I could see that maybe because think about like, you talk about the hormones and everything or food. Like when I was, I don't know, 10 years old, girls and boys my age looked 10 years old. Yeah. I Ten I know exactly now, where going. Yeah. Do not look 10 years old. Yeah. They do yeah. not look 10 years old. 100%. And even like just the uh, early onset... Um, my niece was nine years old when she got her cycle. Yeah. Early onset, uh, whatever, menstruation, I guess. Yeah. Um, like old. puberty is hitting three, four years earlier than it was when we were kids. Yeah. And like, I'm assuming it's relatively going to, you know, keep pushing back yeah. a little bit. But yeah, absolutely. There's definitely like some impact of either like the hormones we're adding to our food, like our animal yeah. products, or like the chemicals we're yeah. spraying on it. Yeah. Yeah, For sure. Well, because you talk about like endocrine disruptors, so we're increasing estrogen within the system, and estrogen does cause growth. Yeah, which is absolutely. one of the reasons why, like, especially f girls that are ten years old don't look ten years old because they grow from the estrogen. Especially like you look at like estrone, or E one. Yeah, right. That really helps with like sex development and stuff. Um, but then we talk about like a lot of people don't know this. Men and women have the exact same sex organs they are just rearranged. Yeah. They are rearranged and genetically coded differently. That is what it is. Yeah. Right. So to say that we are coming closer is not a far fetched concept. No, because we start off the exact same. Right. And then we just. Something slowly, happens. And yeah, yeah. You slowly develop a little bit differently, but. Right. Yeah. Absolutely. And, and well, and then you take like, um, um, what's the word I'm looking for? I don't know the tranny. Okay. Yeah. I don't know what's the, I'm not sure how to send the correct term. I, I apologize trans. to anyone trans. <laughs> right. But so that just shows you the, the capabilities of the human body. Yeah. Right. And everything. And so it, it's, yeah, like it, it is the stuff that's being put in our food, pro hormones. And it's also all the endocrine disruptors, but it's even things like, like this carpet alone. Yeah. Is, is not good for you. Yeah. Right. It's purely like plastic based. I'm yeah. Formaldehyde or whatever. And and it's housing bacteria yeah. and releasing toxins and everything in the clothes we wear, these chairs we're sitting on. Yeah. It's like, yes, you are designed to manage this stuff, but you can only handle so much. Yeah. And here's what I tell people. Like I, I was uh, mentioning this to a client the other day and I said, we're all just floating around in canoes trying to get through life right now. And we all got holes in our canoes, but some have bigger holes than others. We all have a means of trying to get that water out of the canoe whether that is a pail or something, right? But some of us, as mentioned, have bigger holes and smaller pails. And so we're just, we're beginning to drown and we doesn't matter how much water we shovel out, yeah. right? We're still, we're not, that hole is still there. Yeah. And this is where like, I used to be really big on supplements. Yeah. Like really big on supplements. And I've mentioned this, I think like almost every podcast, <laughs> really big on supplements and my yeah. clients know that, fr friends and everything. And that was literally just trying to give you a bigger bucket. Right. But it wasn't patching yeah. the hole within the canoe. Right. Yeah. And 
and you go like, well, why we all got holes in our canoes? It's just life. It's yeah. just, you know, like, uh, the other day I got a GI map back and I was explaining it to a friend and he says, well, why, why, why is he like that? Why is this person like this? Why are their guts like this? Or why is everyone like this? Because I constantly show him the GI maps and explain the GI maps to him. Yeah. And I said, it's 2023, man. Yeah. Right. It's 2023. It's the air we breathe. It's the water we drink. It's the clothes we wear. It's the food we eat, but it's also the stress that we are under. Yeah. Right. And when I'm talking stress is like, we don't, we definitely perceive it differently. Right. Because like we were saying trauma, mm -hmm. right. Dog pee on a carpet can be really stressful to yeah. somebody. Yeah. Right. But could you imagine what the stress is like for a veteran yeah. who fought in the war? Yeah. It's a totally different aspect. And so we perceive stress differently because our stress management has become less efficient. Yeah. Right. Because of the toxic burden and the, and all this stuff that we are ingesting on a daily basis. Yeah. So our liver is compromised. So we can't respond effectively to stress with lower amounts of stress hormones. Yeah. It needs much higher amounts of stress hormones. Yeah. Right. And this is why, you know, all these things are happening and we're getting research saying that 25% decrease of testosterone. Yeah. But what they should, what would be interesting to see is this 25% of decreased testosterone, where's the estrogen at? Yeah. Is the estrogen high? Is it going coincide? Like are these men also experiencing much higher levels of estrogen? Where's it's the like, androgens at? Yeah. Right? It's like typically they try and stay balanced, right? Like your body ideally if it experiences a drop in testosterone, it would probably, it maybe at first it would be off, but like then it would downregulate estrogen. No, no, because what would act, what would actually out. happen is most cases is look at why are we getting this drop in testosterone? Is there some sort of pituitary issue? Is there a luteinizing hormone issue? Right. Look at the drop in testosterone, but most of the time it's because think of it as like once again, it's a pale and we're with the obesity, the rise in obesity is just one example. So increasing that aromatization. So you're draining out that testosterone is what's happening. Right. So as that testosterone lowers, the estrogen actually gets higher. Yeah. Okay. Is what usually happens. Yes. Yeah. Because that testosterone. Well, this is in like aromatized. unhealthy individuals. Then. Yes. For the most case. Yeah. And then when you talk about age related drop, yeah, like estrogen's going to drop too. Yeah. And it, this is where like, yeah. you know, a lot of men don't realize erectile dysfunction. Yeah. Has how much it has to do with their estrogen. And a drop in it? Yep. Yeah. Yep. So when I I heavily abused steroids at a young age. Like heavily abused them. Like I don't know how familiar you are with them, but I was doing five grams plus a week of testosterone. I'm lucky to be alive. Five so, grams? Yes. Jesus. I'm lucky to be this is my addictive personality. I'm very lucky to be alive. And I suffered erectile dysfunction. Yeah. And I'm like, how can I be suffering from this because <laughs> God, of so much testosterone? Exactly. Right. Yeah. I, it was my estrogen because I kept, oh, you're on testosterone. You need to take aromatized inhibitors. You need to yeah. tank your estrogen or whatever. So I actually really screwed my estrogen up. Yeah. And when you do, when I did a Dutch test, dried your analysis test for comprehensive hormones, I had like no estrogen. Yeah. But what I, I kept thinking I had estrogen symptoms. Yeah. And what happened though, is I, I cleaned out all my good estrogen, but it, Remember how I said you got to get out of the body? Yeah. Well, it was all backed up into the bad stuff, into the bad estrogen, into the bad pathways, into mm -hmm. the inflammatory proliferating pathways. Yeah. And that led to things like erectile dysfunction, which yeah. destroyed my confidence. 100%. Absolutely yeah. destroyed relationships. Like it was horrible. It was a horrible, yeah. horrible, horrible experience. And so a lot of men 
we we demonize estrogen. We think yeah. estrogen is so bad. Yes, in high amounts. Yes, in low amounts. Yeah, it's that achieving that optimal. But like a lot of men think, oh, we need to tank it. I want to lose weight, so I need to tank estrogen. Yeah, okay, maybe you want a little bit lower estrogen when trying to burn fat. Yeah, but don't tank your estrogen. And it, right? like it's super important for building muscle and recovery. Right. Like it's yeah, it's super important it's, growth. It's the growth pathway. Like insulin sensitivity. Yeah, it's it's right? huge. Like it's not a bad thing. Again, you no. as you said, like you just don't want it to be too high. Yeah, or again too yeah. too. Or like a, what a, what will happen that I see what a lot of men do is they speed up a CYP enzyme, CYP3A4. It's called which will convert estradiol, which is E2, into estriol, which is E3, which is a less effective estrogen. Mm. And that's what occurs as well. And then once it goes into that E3, right, it's kind of, it goes down different other pathways. Yeah. And so that's another thing that occurs. Like, that's why like habitual caffeine drinkers, Yeah. you can, because it speeds up that CYP enzyme. So a lot of the time, habitual caffeine drinkers, they will have less estrogen. Yeah because they just keep shuttling it into the less effective so they're not using their estradiol is like and what's what's the like pathway for that like what's causing it to go from e2 to e3 that's that cyp enzyme it just there's a lot of things well, that went from there's the cyp enzyme that so like caffeine that yeah, things like caffeine okay. pesticides toxins yeah, yeah, stress okay. like all that kind of stuff can yeah, yeah. once again though it's still important it's yeah. just all within moderation yeah, yeah you know optimal efficiency yeah and so yeah a lot of people don't realize like They'll have estrogenic symptoms, but they're not like, what estrogen though? Is it like E1? Like, yeah. so you look at like very busty women. Yeah. A lot of them have higher levels of E1 because it helps with the sexual development. Yeah. And so that one, then there's a whole different pathway there. And it's just like, you get into a lot of technical stuff with that, but estrogen does catch a very bad name. And, but I start, I'm starting to see there's a lot out there now that people are like, stop, estrogen's not bad. Yes. <laughs> it's really starting to come around. So that's nice to see. Um, because yeah, like a lot of people are just like, oh, well, let's take aromatized inhibitors if we're using testosterone. Well, yeah. do you need aromatized inhibitors? Well, my estrogen side, well, why is estrogen? Are you having trouble detoxifying it? Yeah. Is your liver compromised? Do you have high levels of beta glucuronidase? right? Like why is that estrogen high? Are you eating out of plastic? You know what yeah. I mean? Yeah. And so you have to look into why that estrogen is high. Some people, yeah, might need aromatized inhibitors. Yeah. But it's like DIM. Are you familiar with DIM? I'm not. So DIM is what, like, you will find it in, like, uh, coriferous vegetables, like broccoli and stuff okay. like that. Yeah, yeah. A lot of competitors will take DIM to decrease their estrogen. Okay. So they come in drier and leaner. As mentioned, I thought I had high estrogen, so I was taking a lot of DIM and things to lower my estrogen. Yeah. But my methylation was poor. So methylation is the end act of getting rid of that. Yeah. Well, not the end act. That's, like, bile and fiber and colon and everything sure. but it's phase two yeah of ridding of hormones yeah well because i wasn't methylating think of it as a drain i was really draining out my sink but then boom just ran into the clog yeah and come back up or whatever and that was from taking a lot of dim yeah so this is why it is important to check your hormones but the thing is most people's hormones are going to be off due to s not the hormones directly it's yeah. like a gut issue yeah yeah, right. Yeah. So when people, when I see people like bloated, especially lower distension, especially if it's not SIBO, yeah. that's indicating high levels of beta glucuronidase and beta glucuronidase is responsible for like in optimal levels clearance of like bacteria and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. But if you see really high levels, what can happen is let's take in the context of estrogen, even if it's good estrogen, when you're done with that, it's got to go. Otherwise it's bad for the body. You put it in a garbage bag, you tie it in a nice little bow. 
you send it on its way out, reaches the colon, beta glucuronidase will go in there and untie that bow and release the estrogen back into the system. Right. Causing high estrogen, endocrine disruptors, inflammogens, toxins, you name it. Wow. Right. So you see that. So I see that and they're like, oh, I have hormonal issues. I'm like, no, you have a gut issue. Yeah. <laughs> you have a gut issue that's leading to hormonal issues. Yeah. So there's no point in testing your hormones because we know damn well your hormones are going to be off. Yeah. So we need to fix your gut. And then let's say we know your gut's in a good position. Let's say you take another GI map and then it comes back. All right, cool. Your normal commensal flora is really yeah. good. You have no more overgrowth or your overgrowth is manageable. Yeah. Are you still having hormonal symptoms? Okay, now let's run a hormone yeah. panel and yeah. see maybe there's genetics involved. So it's always worth it to make sure your gut's in a good place yeah. before you do yeah. any type of yeah. hormonal testing because yeah. that's going to be yeah, you're just effective. You're not wasting time per se, but yeah. why is the hormone off? But it could also lead you down the wrong path. If you do hormone testing without going down the gut path, I've done you that might many start, times as a coach. <laughs> right, and you, you might start, like for lack of a better term, fucking with your hormones. Yep. And that's not, again, the root cause. You're, yep. you're just adding to the dumpster fire yep. at that point. Yep. Oh, you got low estrogen. Well, let's supplement estrogen. Well, why do you have low estrogen? Are you on birth control? Are you desensitizing receptors? Yeah. Right? Do you have no testosterone or androgens, right? Are you not aromatizing? Like, I don't aromatize a lot. That's, yep. I don't know at this point if it's a genetic thing or not. Yep. I just don't aromatize a lot. That's why my estrogen is lower. Yeah. Because I don't aromatize a lot. So I should not be taking anything to drain my estrogen. Then I have, if I do zero sex drive, erectile dysfunction. Yeah. I need that estrogen. Yeah. And so that's where, yeah, like a hormone panel taught me that, but it didn't teach me why that's like that. Yeah. And that's where like the GI map, for example. It's like people when they talk about blood work, oh, I need to go for blood work. Well, why? Right. We know you have issues or it's even like, remember when you were talking to me about your sleep? Yep. Right. A yep. lot of the times that can go back to gut issues. Parasites, yep. for example, can really disrupt with sleep cycles. Yeah. Uh, specific autoimmune overgrowth. You don't have to have a distended stomach to have gut issues. Yeah. And I, it took me a while to learn that because I was like, oh, well, this person has a six pack. They obviously don't have gut issues. No, you could have the greatest physique and still have an overgrowth of bacteria or some sort of parasite or something. For sure. But I always correlated it to like a distended stomach. Right. But that's really just, yeah, just one symptom, right? It's a com more common probably, but yeah, you can Especially have, now. you can also have issues of just not keeping things in there very, very long, yep. right? And mm -hmm. you're still potentially have, yep. you know, bacterial overgrowth right. or something. Well, another thing is too, is like, because I had my issues, I don't know if you ever saw my photo, but I was like out to here to stand it. I hit it. Right. I hit it all the time. So you wouldn't ever know. Yeah. Right. And so that's another thing too. People could be walking around saying they're fine, looking fine. In reality, they get home like like that one commercial where the Japanese girl's in the elevator and then as soon as the hog guy walks out, she lets her bun out. It's like, <laughs> right? Like that's exactly yeah. what people could be doing. Yeah. And so then you, you don't know, you can't, like you struggle. You say, okay, well, like you're not distended, but you're giving off these symptoms. And like in the past, I'd be like, okay, well, I kind of don't really know what I should do right now with this person. But now I'm like, all right, you got this symptom. I don't care if you're hiding your gut or not. I know something's up. Yeah. And this is what we have to do. Yeah. Right. And yeah. it's like, I don't think I've met one person that has uh, a perfect digestion system anyway. So like, there's always something that can be worked on exactly. in the digestion. And yep. even if it maybe doesn't address the issue they came to you for, it's mm -hmm. going to address something. Yeah. Because yep. I mean, you know better than anyone that like your gut is 
like attached to everything, right? Yeah. Including just straight up happiness. <laughs> like if anything, you'll you'll fix a little bit of your serotonin, right? Yeah. Like just from yep. reducing maybe some inflammation or some yep. stress, whatever it is, right? Yeah. Yep. So, well, bacteria, it creates so much LPS, which is lipopolysaturides. Yeah. It's extremely toxic. Yeah. So if you have this overgrowth, you're just constantly spewing out toxins and creating inflammation. Yeah. Right. And then the immune system gets disrupted. It either becomes weak or most cases becomes weak, especially with chronic gut cases. Absolutely. Right. And then it's like trying to fight back and then it causes because like a huge majority of your immune system is housed in the gut. So then that leads to bloating and issues. And it's just, it's crazy what the, like I've taken people that just could not make anything happen in their life. And you address the gut. Next thing you know, it's just like they're a whole different person. Like as I was yeah. mentioning before, like myself, for yeah. example. Like it was, I I am astonished of who I am today. And that was because of taking care of the guts. And that was like, for me, that was my coach, Blake Grove. Yeah. And if I would have never connected with him, I don't know where I'd be right now. Yeah. Like, I don't know where I'd be. Right. But the thing is, is like, you learn about this you gain this knowledge and this experience and now you can help others. Oh my God, man, it's the hardest cases to work. <laughs> like, like gut cases are so difficult. Don't you just want me to teach you how to do a squat? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So that brings me though. So what would you say is your uh, client niche? Like what is the majority of your demographic? Um, to be honest, I've never had like a solid demographic. Like, oh, I mainly work with like guys in their thirties or something. I've always had such an array of like people from all walks of life, whether it's like younger people, like, you know, under 30, or if it's some, like I've had some older guys and I currently have some guys that are training in their sixties or I've had a guy in his seventies, um, women, men, like it's for some reason, I've never had like a demographic, but what I do have is I think like a niche in terms of their problems, which is usually, I mean, it's it's kind of a weird thing to generalize but it's like it's people that need to work on their habits like it's their goals are all different like one guy might be weight loss one guy might be uh mobility or like living more pain-free like moving more pain-free one guy might be just like i want to get stronger or bigger but it's like it all comes down to habits right the guy that wants to get bigger and stronger it's his habits um, around training and around nutrition, right? Okay. The guy who wants to move more pain-free, it's his habits around recovery methods, like rolling and stretching and his exercise, like his techniques and stuff. The other person that's fat loss, it's their habits around food or around their scheduling because it's all about like preparation and mm-hmm. not being caught off guard and stuff. But it's like, it seems like it's, and I've actually only really realized this recently where it's like, I'm always, I like, I'm, I'm training, I'm teaching these tools and these skills, but it all comes back to like behavior and habits and like in like learning how to establish better habits. Because, you know, if I, if I have a client come to me and they're like, I want to lose, you know, 20 pounds, I'm like, okay, here's the, here's how you lose 20 pounds. You need to be at a calorie deficit. And you need to, you know, train this many times a week or something. If I just give them that, they're like, cool, I'm nowhere, like I'm, I'm nowhere closer to this goal in six months because 
what it takes to get to that goal is changing your habits that got you to where you are in the first place, right? Like habits are everything. Habits are 99% of your day or whatever, right? Like it's, it's what every decision is based off of typically, Mm -hmm. unless you're actively trying to change those habits. So long story short, it's, you know, I have this like general client base and general base of like goals and needs that these clients have, but it all comes back to like establishing better habits that will lead them to those, those goals. Yeah. So like, I don't know, I guess it's like behavior change. Yeah. Okay. And I have done weirdly enough, I did like uh behavior change, uh, like courses and certifications. And I didn't realize how much of that, that I would be using later and how frequent I would be using. I, I was just like, I need some CECs. I need to, you know, I need to recertify. I'm going to do this, this course. And it was like a a six month, like two textbook course, but I was just kind of like, yeah, like just get the information through like, yeah, remember this, you know, kind of like loosely going through the motions, so to speak, kind of, I, I wasn't, uh, aware of how much of my work was going to actually revolve around that. Okay. It kind of came out of nowhere. I just literally, funny enough, I was thinking about it. I was like, I bet he's going to talk to, I bet Curtis is going to talk to me about like my training and what I do. And I was like, like to simplify down to one thing, it's like, it's behavior change. Yeah. Okay. I like that. That's really cool. So what would, like, if you had to look at it, you talk about habits and whatnot. What are some of the most difficult ones to work with then? Is it around food or is it? It's definitely around food. Um, Training is one hour of your day, right? The opportunity to eat or not eat is all your waking hours, right? So whatever, 16 hours a day Mm. or however long that is. So definitely the more challenging one is instilling better habits in terms of food choices because... I think we've been, well, not even we've been, we are programmed to eat the most calorie dense foods. Like that's in our DNA. That's our survival mentality is like reach for the most calorie dense thing, the highest sugar, the highest fat, whatever. That's why stress is so bad because it's enlarging your amygdala. Absolutely. Yeah. It fuels that, right? We're literally, it's, it's been proven in studies that we're, our food choices are, I don't know, I guess just worse when we're stressed. Like they've done the studies of like how people's behavior change under stress when it comes to food. And it's, it's, it's bad. Like we always make bad choices when we're stressed. Not always, I guess I shouldn't, uh, put a, yeah, uh, that type of spin on it, but typically, yeah. So that's, um, that's a huge factor is just making better choices when it comes to food. And then I think, the other more challenging one is um, f- like frequency. Because I think a lot of people, I don't know, I think they think just eating less is better. Mm-hmm. But usually it's, it's not eating less, it's eating more of the right stuff. Yes. And often, not necessarily always, but more frequently. Because a lot of people will eat toast for breakfast, which is part of a meal (laughs) and have some coffee and then they go all day at work they might even skip lunch Mm -hmm. their you know their hormones are all over the place whether it's cortisol or whether it's like their leptin and and Mm -hmm. and ghrelin and everything like 
and then they get to dinner and what do you think they want to eat uh like some some nice rice and chicken or or beef and like some vegetables hell no they're yeah. gonna order pizza 73 and like curb their cravings because they've been uh stressed like their their um stress hormones have been elevated all day and then finally when they get home and it drops down and their hunger spikes they're not hungry for broccoli mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> right so i think like that that's probably the other huge struggle is like getting people to prepare like plan ahead um take meals to work or take food to work uh, eat a proper breakfast make time to eat a proper breakfast a lot of people just wake up you know smash a coffee run out the door or they're getting their kids ready making their lunches and they don't make time for themselves and yeah. it's hard it's hard to like wake up a little bit earlier when you want to sleep but yeah. that's that's part of the habit right if mm-hmm. if you create the habit of getting out of bed immediately when you're uh, alarm rings and not giving yourself time to make excuses yeah why you should maybe snooze a little longer yeah oh, i'll just grab food at work it's fine yeah right but no it's it's creating the habit of the second i hear the alarm i get up i start my day i start making good choices that'll lead to success don't ask me why but literally what i thought of this morning because that was like me this morning i woke up my alarm went off at like 5 15 i kind of like i do pet the dogs quite a bit sure but i was like they should really make an alarm where like monkeys attack you <laughs> have, like no choice to get out of bed because everybody has That's that so good. they sold that one where it's like um you have to step on it i guess to silence okay. the alarm or whatever yeah As with like your full body weight yeah yeah but then the thing is the people just won't set it yeah. Right. So the people just won't set it. So there needs to be like something like, yeah, like you just have like a, a herd of monkeys outside your house. That's <laughs> so funny. You. Just train your dog to <laughs> yeah, bite your ankle. Well, if it, if well my friend, out. his cat's like that. Yeah. His cat will bite him right here. I don't think he does it anymore, but he used to bite him right on the bridge of the nose if he wasn't getting dude, up. Cats and... are vicious. They don't, they don't <laughs> care. They're like, it's time to eat, dude. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, I saw a TikTok the other day where it was a dog was like, like, okay, why aren't you getting up? And all she did was fake sleep and the dog went back to sleep. Right? but yeah. a cast time would be bad oh yeah and wrecking yeah. things and everything yeah. and <laughs> freaking this is my life you're just living in it exactly so no that's 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 totally makes sense i i would like you know that uh one could almost assume that would be the toughest challenges for you and for others as well yeah and whatnot and uh yeah the hardest part is that is like when we talk habits we also look at it look at it as like motor patterns right it's also that too and I was having this conversation with a client the other day and I said, like, most people wonder why they feel the way they do, but they haven't even gone a week without following something consistently that could potentially make them feel better. Yeah. And the reason being is because it's like, let's say every Saturday, they I call them free meals. I don't call them cheat meals. Yeah. Every Saturday they have a free meal. Well, even if it comes to that point where it's like they don't need it from any sort of aspect whatsoever they're just so used to following that pattern where they had that free meal every Saturday. So even if they're not hungry, yeah, they're like, oh, I'm just gonna eat this. And like my, for my own personal issue is you like talking about the insecurities and wanting to get bigger. Cause that's what happened to me. That's why I went on so many steroids is because yeah. I wanted to get bigger. And then I did get bigger and it sparked love back in the relationship that I thought I had lost, which made things a thousand times worse. It just reaffirmed that your right. choices were right. Yeah. So for people to love me and respect me, I had to yeah. be huge. Yeah. So what I still come to is I've, I've gone over that quite a bit. Like sometimes, yeah, I still want some size because of course people are going to respect you more in this industry. Yeah. But when it comes to the food, 
I'll be like, well, I need to eat a whole large pizza because you got to eat big to get big. Yeah. So yeah. if I don't eat this large pizza, I'm going to lose size. Yeah. Well, the reality is I eat that large pizza. I lose size because I become so inflamed <laughs> and I don't build muscle yeah. anyways. And then I don't sleep and then, yeah. yeah. and you lose anyways. Yeah. Right. And so for like, that's my own personal experience. Lose two pounds in p- pizza diarrhea. Exactly. Right. <laughs> like, and, and so it, it's, that's, that's a very hard mentality to get over. But this yeah. is why I always tell people like, this is once again, going back to the guts because you were mentioning like we, we are designed in our DNA to go for the most calorically dense foods. Yeah. How I explain this to people is your amygdala, amygdala, how I explain it, look at it as your need. And yeah. what I mean by that is there's a bowl of ice cream on the counter and you are thinking with your amygdala, you're like, I need that ice cream. Right. But if you're thinking, if your stress is good and, and you're healthy, and you're using your prefrontal cortex, that's your want. Yeah. So you see that bowl of ice cream and you're like, I want that ice cream, but I don't need yeah. that ice cream. Yeah. And then that's how people get through that. And that's why children, they don't have a developed prefrontal cortex. Right. So they're just designed to get the most calorically dense food for the least amount of work. Yeah. And that's why they eat like pigs, yeah. most of them anyways. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? And so like a lot of people don't understand that. So when you're talking about habits, yeah, sometimes they can be so hard to correct because your amygdala is just, <laughs> it's so enlarged from your stressors. Right. So is it stress? So like let's, and this is a random tangent, but if you look at like obese children, is that an underdeveloped prefrontal cortex or an inflamed or enlarged amygdala? Like, is it stress causing the amid, amid, you know, the amygdala so, so like, is it stress that causes like children's obesity or is it an underdeveloped prefrontal cortex? Okay, so I'm probably going to catch a bunch of flack for this. Okay. That's a good thing. No, just kidding. Okay. It is just behavioral then. Right. It's yeah. behavioral, right. That led to that. But then yes, it's that spiral afterwards because the inflammation led to the enlarged amygdala and it just gets worse and worse. Okay. And worse. Yeah, because right? but it's like at the end of the day, um, uh, Lee. I love Lee Priest. I would never go for him for knowledge or anything, but he's a hilarious guy. But he said something one time that really stuck with me. He's like, "Your kids aren't buying the groceries." Yeah, is what he said, right? Yeah. And I, like I said, I'll probably catch flack for that, and I apologize. But that is the reality. Yeah, that is the reality. Is if if, if a child ends up obese, it's because they're constantly being fed, which I never understood. Right? They, they also. Uh, uh, mimic, right? Like kids mimic. Yes. So kids learn all their behaviors from you yes. initially, right? Yeah. They and do what you do. Yeah. Monkey see, monkey do. Right? <laughs> and what I'll say is I never understood that for the longest time until I adopted Peppa. So I had Heidi. Yeah. And then I adopted Peppa and everybody keeps calling Heidi fat. Right. <laughs> right. And so I've been limiting her food, but then Peppa needs more food. So then you're feeding Peppa this more food. You feel bad. And you feel bad. So then you keep <laughs> feeding Heidi more food. Or I'm eating food and, and Heidi's sitting there with just these beady little eyes. Yeah. Especially when it comes to steak. Oh, I guess uh, I guess you right? got a little bit. And so like, I obviously don't get it, get it, because I don't have a child, yeah. but I'm starting to understand. It's that love. Yeah. It's that love. Children are becoming obese out of love. Yeah. <laughs> but because you just want them to have the best. You want them to enjoy their treats and be happy and all this yeah. kind of stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Or, or that's what I kind of feel like because that's how I feel yeah. like with my girls. Yeah. 
Right. And yeah. so like, I kind of like would, I'll be honest, I kind of criticized for years until I was in that situation. I'm like, wow. Yeah. I was like, I cause I, I do feel guilty. I have a hard time giving Heidi less food than Papa and Lola right now, yeah. the foster dog. Yeah. 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 Right. And, and, and it's funny because, um, just to say a little bit of money, I, I mixed, uh, kibble, like Lola's raw food with some kibble, like a very, very high quality kibble. Tiny yeah. bag is still $50, but the girls can smell it. And like, I was, so I sit on the floor and I feed Lola by hand in a bowl or whatever. And, uh, like Peppa wasn't eating her food. She's right behind my, yes, yeah. in a way. Right. So now I've given them some kibble or whatever on yeah. top of the food they already have. And yeah. So Heidi's probably going to get fatter. And, yeah. and that's what I mean. So it's like, I'm assuming like you're, you're out doing something and your child sees another kid with ice cream and they yeah. probably don't need that ice cream, but yeah. that kid really wants that ice cream. So and they look really love. sad. <laughs> yeah. So out of love, yeah. you get them that ice cream. And I, I'm starting to understand that yeah. now. Yeah. I'm definitely starting to understand that because like you just want them to be happy. You want to fulfill their dreams. Yeah. And you want them to be they want and you want them to love you too. Yeah. Right? Like you don't want to be like it's so difficult for me to discipline my dogs. Yeah. It's so difficult. Yeah. But I do it because I want them to behave well. Yeah. But it it kills me. Like I'll like yell at Heidi or whatever. And then I either laugh or it breaks my heart. I have to apologize yeah, afterwards. Yeah, yeah. I'm so sorry. <laughs> yeah. And so like, I, like, I'm not trying to say like, you know, dogs or children or whatever, but I'm starting to understand, you know, vaguely understand why parents are doing what they do or, or, you know, why children kind of end up the way they end up in, in those loving situations. Like yeah. I had a, um, I was reached out to once he was 13 years old. He was well over 300 pounds and he had what is known as an MC forearm mutation. Yeah. And what that is is so he doesn't produce leptin. Okay. Right. Yeah. And so and then like, I'm, of course, I'm doing a ton of research. I'm just like over consuming myself, trying to figure this out. And, and we work together and I pretty much treated him like any other normal client and he lost a bunch of weight. And then I, I found out it was the, the parents just kept feeding him because prior to this. But then what happened one day, I was like, okay, you're doing so well let's give you a free meal. Yeah. That was a really big mistake. Yeah. Because it just went downhill from there. Yeah. I ended up losing him as a client. Right. Because he was lying to me about his weight. They wouldn't send, he, he wouldn't send photos. And he kept lying to me about his weight. He's lying to his parents about his weight. And he kept eating and eating and eating. Yeah. Right. And because, but he could develop that because prior he would be able to just eat and eat with no consequences. Yeah. But it hit a point where it was like, okay, well, this needs to stop because you are severely obese, but he already developed that habit. Yeah. He already had that love from the parents that led to him. Now he couldn't control himself or whatever. Yeah. 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 And amazing kid, amazing yeah. kid, wonderful, wonderful kid. It's just, I totally get that. Right. That's why I like that saying one bite won't kill you. Shut up. Yeah. Shut up. <laughs> it could. Yeah. Like yeah. you have one piece of chocolate. You know how many people have one piece of chocolate? Oh, thank you. Yeah, one bite, and they go home and just stuff their faces. Yeah, yeah. One bite can do a lot of damage to an individual. Yeah, yeah, exactly. If you're not equipped to self-moderate, which you might hormonally not be able to, if you right, if you don't yeah. have like an like a you don't have leptin or yeah, underproduce or whatever. Yeah, right. Like yeah, that can. That can be really challenging. Yeah. And it, it, it's, it's sad. It, it, it hurts. Like it breaks my heart to see people struggle with this. Cause like you get people like, 
who's a motivator on Instagram that constantly yells right now? I don't know. Just like, you're not motivated. You're not disciplined or whatever or whatever. It's like, first of all, like, yes, there probably are some people that are like that. Okay. They're just not disciplined. Yeah. But you don't know what this individual is going through, right? Like, I remember when I was like, we'll call it dieting one of my first times. Like, it was a hard struggle for me. And I'll never forget, like, it was the middle of the night. I was living with my best friend at the time. And I went into the kitchen. He had pizza. Yeah. Because that's another hard thing when you're in that environment. Oh, okay. So I was eating that pizza. And he happened to walk out. I like, threw the pizza. <laughs> against the wall. I wasn't doing anything. Yeah. But it's like, you look at it, you're like, that's almost a real problem. Yeah. Like you couldn't even make it through the night when you're supposed to be sleeping, but I knew that pizza was there. Right. I knew that pizza was there. Yeah. So I couldn't sleep and I went and ate that pizza. Yeah. It's the same with, if you give me a bite of pizza, I'm probably ordering pizza that night. Yeah. Right. And that's why I hate, hate it when people go one bite won't kill you. Yeah. They just don't understand. They're yeah. not in your shoes yeah. or if they have been in your shoes, they have a different personality. Yeah. And they can handle that one. Yeah. Bite. Yeah. And you also have different like trauma you have a different life yeah so like you literally you can never approach uh, an individual with like thinking you know exactly what's going to work exactly right. you could like same thing we could both get punched in the face right now yeah <laughs> but it's like yeah we are going to experience that entirely different yeah right and everybody I won't curl up in the fetal <laughs> <laughs> you're gonna fight back <laughs> <laughs> um but yeah like like my one of my ex-girlfriends she was amazing at the the one bite thing she could totally do it yeah like yeah. maybe mentally something was really going on and she just hit it or whatever. Yeah. Right. But she could do the one bite thing and still commit to a diet plan. But majority of the people that I know, right. You, like this is why I praise people. Like I have one client where their household is full of snacks. Yeah. Because she's the only one committing to a nutritional protocol. Right. And she still does extremely well. It's amazing. That's yeah. hard. And it was like, yeah. you know, it's like, uh, Sean and Sarah, like I remember I babysat Maliki one night and I just raided their cupboards and was like <laughs> eating a bunch wow. of food, right? So I can't have that. Like you put, you put dark chocolate in my house. Yeah. 92% healthy, yeah. organic. Yeah. I'll still eat the hell out of it. Yeah. I'll dip it in a bunch of almond butter and yeah. choke on it. And like, <laughs> and so it, it's, it's yeah. that environment too. And I think yeah. when you talk about working with families, yeah, that's got to be one of the most difficult for them. Oh yeah, like supportive partners or supportive families. Like if they don't buy in, that's a that's a huge hurdle. Like again, you said like you've got clients that have done it, and I know people that have done it as well. Where, you know, whatever the the kids or the the husband and the kids or whatever are still having you know their lasagna or something, and she's you know eating something a little less calorie dense or like yeah. into her plan, but like. 90% of the time you're gonna be like I want to eat with my kids or I want to eat with my family and you know screw this it's just one just one meal right yeah and that's that's a huge one that's a huge huge struggle as well as just like the family dynamic mm -hmm. for sure so what about you and your own experience with because you you've competed and you yeah. do compete still yeah good so what about you and your own experience what has that been like like have you had some big struggles or has it been you know uh, sailing or I mean, I'd say like, I have a pretty good, I have a pretty good, like, con, I don't know, we'll call it a control system. Like okay. whether it's, you know, food or alcohol or even drugs when I was younger, like I, I wasn't, I don't have that, a, like, I guess the addictive okay. personality. Like I can always just say like, yeah, I'll, like I, I could do that one piece of chocolate and just yes, okay. leave it at that. Um, however, I discovered that you can't always like beat your biology because i've 
dieted for quite a few shows now and especially this last prep, which, you know, coming out of COVID, like I think stress levels are high, whether it's external or internal, uh, in terms of like, even, you know, what your body's going through with these, you know, stressors, God knows, you know, vaccines and <laughs> yeah. probably get, probably get marked, uh, <laughs> yeah, I'll be blurring that out. <laughs> <laughs> but no, but like, uh, you know, coming out of, um, the last couple of years and having a lot more stress, uh, just in general, I think, uh, that played into it because when we got, or when I got down to lower levels of body fat for this most recent show, like I've never had to battle the urge to like crush, I don't know, something calorie dense, whether it was granola or like the, the things that really like, uh, I don't know, I guess stuck out to me, like when I walked in, walked by the pantry was like granola because I think it's so high in sugar and, and carbs yeah. and stuff okay. and chocolate chips again, mm. high sugar, high fat. Yeah. And like, there would literally be times where I would catch my, like, I couldn't stop myself from just grabbing a handful and shoving it in my mouth. Mm. I've never had that issue before. So it was like, it was a learning curve for sure of like, oh, like this is a, this is a strong power that I'm trying to overcome like inside of me, like this yeah. like, genetic urge to just like stop mm -hmm. the, the low, low key <laughs> starvation. Yeah. Right. Like it's cause that's what it is. Like prepping for body meal show is controlled starvation. Like it's yeah. methodical starvation so that you, you know, lose body fat to a certain point. Um, it's definitely not necessarily the, the healthiest, but at least, you know, doing it, doing it naturally is a little bit, yeah healthier than uh you know uh using exogenous hormones and stuff yeah. but um but yeah no i mean you asked about like uh just my experience with that is it's up until this most recent prep it's been pretty i don't know i guess not not easy but it's been very like i i stick to the plan and i slowly you know follow it slowly reduce calories uh, you know maintain training and it just kind of it just it just kind of works yeah um and i'm pretty good in that sense where i can eat the same foods every day so it makes things a little easier as well in terms of preparing like i can pre uh cook prepare all my meals and stuff and yeah. like i can i can do that i don't really need that crazy variety day to day like i can totally monotonously mm -hmm. eat meals but again this last prep was very very different very challenging where I was truly battling some like, uh, I don't know, intense urges to just eat. Was there higher stressors and like away from the whole diet and training? I think just, I think, I don't know. Like, I think just societies, what society was stressed. Like, yes, we didn't know if we were going back into lockdowns. We didn't mm. know if, you know, so-and-so was going to suddenly get sick and you know we weren't going to be able to see you know grandma or whatever it is right like there's a lot of these like unknowns because it's you know again it's a it's a new situation we found ourselves in right like no one has a, a ton of experience what we what we went through and so i think just all that like unknown and just the stress of being in you know this this place that we were in um it wasn't anything like specific. It was really just, I'm assuming that's what made it different. Cause it was, it was no different otherwise. Like there was the same style of prep, if that makes sense. Like it was, you know, 
we do flexible dieting. We don't do strict yeah. like meal plans or anything. So you really just, you hit some macros, you hit some calories per day and you can kind of just go about your day. Like it's not too restrictive, but for some reason that was not maybe the best approach. So at that time. Yeah. And just because again, I think if you have it in the house or if you just have one bite, cause I was allowing myself a little bit every day yeah, uh, right. to, again, just have this flexible approach. I was allowing myself to have a little bit of chocolate in the morning or a little bit of chocolate in the evening or some peanut butter or whatever it is versus, you know, on a strict meal plan, you just say, no, it's, it's, it's black and white. You're just, mm-hmm. you're either having it or you're not there's no like in between so and then if you have it you need to beat the absolute shit out of yourself for having it <laughs> basically yeah right? yeah exactly it's, it's the hardest it's completely part. off plan yeah. so You're okay <laughs> so funny enough i actually like considered like perhaps doing a strict approach where i just say you know there's there's no treats there's no you know just one bite um and tracking that maybe maybe that's a better approach for um people that are maybe a little stressed or people that don't know how they're going to react to having, you know, I guess like super palatable, highly palatable foods in Mm -hmm. their, in their diet or even just in their house. Yeah. So, yeah. See, that's, that's the big difference. Like I know you're talking about like your own experience and stuff, but like, like research versus like practitioner kind of thing. You could have all the knowledge in the world about nutrition. Yeah. But if you can't get that person to follow that nutrition, it's for nothing. Oh yeah, absolutely. Right? You could have the most, what you believe is theoretically written out as the most perfect nutritional protocol. But if that person can physically not commit to this, then it's obviously not the most perfect nutritional protocol. Yeah. And I think that's what the big difference between like a coach and like a, a scientist, let's right. say. Yeah. Right. And I always said that for years. I was like, I'm not a good coach. I'm nerdy as hell. And I had a lot of knowledge, but I was not good at getting people because I either had lacked empathy or didn't understand certain aspects. Yeah. But now that I've been through tougher times and addressing things, it's like, okay, now I'm becoming a better coach. Right. Right. Like a, a, a I just experience with like real world application too. Hundred percent. You've taken the the research, the you know, theoretical and you've applied it and saying, Oh yeah, this works and then other times probably, oh, okay, this yeah. doesn't quite apply yeah. uh, in the real world situation. Like if I had not gone through a gut protocol, there's no way I'd be able to take my current clients through a gut protocol. Yeah. There's no way. Because you wouldn't have experienced how brutal it horrible is. Horrible it was. <laughs> like you kind of go through some yeah, first. And it's not horrible for everyone. I shouldn't, right. like I shouldn't put like a really bad name to it. I don't want it to deter people away from addressing their guts. Yeah. I am also getting pretty good at not making it horrible for people through various other mechanisms. Um, but yeah, if I had never gone through it, I would have never known. I would have never known, right? It's like I was working with somebody um, for like marketing stuff or whatever, and they got really upset with me over something. I was like, like I didn't want to pull that card, but I was like, you have no idea what I'm going through. Right now. Like I was very negative at the time, right? And like a lot of people, like a lot of people experienced that about me. Like I was a very negative person, mm-hmm. and like you know, losing relationships and friendships and everything, um, and just creating this mold for yourself is like, oh, he's just the shit talk or he's the negative person. But I was going through some stuff that was promoting that negativity. Yeah. And I'm not meaning like the stress of my life. I'm meaning what was physically oh, yeah. all within inside my gut. Absolutely. Right. I was not producing happy chemicals. <laughs> and that's it, right? Like <laughs> if you're, if your guts feel like shit, you're going to feel like shit. Yeah. And the, the thing that 
just naturally happens when you feel like shit is that you want to shit on other people because it makes you feel better yeah right it's your insecurities and it's actually it's actually a low-key dopamine hit funny enough like it's how people address it it's yeah how people cope there's a it was really funny there was like this they did a study with these people and they they actually like i think this was back in the day so like they can't do this type of study now <laughs> yeah. but they they like hooked people up to like electrodes i guess and they were able to um push buttons to stimulate certain like i think pathways like neural pathways and like one was like you know like let's say happiness one was uh you know like frustration anger you know just like all these different things and like they let them like do each one or like you know do whatever series and then they were like okay now you just like you know you can just like do whatever you want now like for like as like free time basically and the button that the most that all the people not even like most the button that all of them pushed the most was mild frustration really it was like it was like light anger or mild frustration because it's like i don't know i guess there's at least maybe no, no because if you think about what's what's motivating to you okay. if you're mildly frustrated at something you're so probably Instagram going, posts have come from me you're, going, off. you're going to act right yeah. it's it's the it's the it's the um precursor to action is mild okay. frustration and like i think there's probably and i can't remember if they go into this or not but i'm assuming there's a dopamine release which then is the yeah, because that dopamine release right. is you looking to achieve that action. Yeah, so it's so actually, you're like, this is it. frustrating me. I'm going to change it by doing it. this. Yeah. And then, you know, your your action yeah. is fueled by that then. So it's like, it's funny though, but as you were saying, right, like um, you, uh, why people act, uh, act out or act yeah. um, badly towards other people when they feel bad is because it makes them feel better. And like, yeah. that's why. And that's why I think a lot of people get really addicted to trolling online Yeah, because every time they talk shit, <laughs> every time they, you know, try and make someone feel bad or, or like, uh, whatever they're doing, you know, they're trolling they, it's like, Ooh, feel good. Feel good here. Feel good there. Every yeah. time I click send or comment, it's, it's like that little, little boost. And it's literally like an addiction to yeah. just little dopamine hits. Yeah. It's crazy. With you said, with the them hitting the frustration, that actually makes a lot of sense now because you heard, the, um, I also got to tell you a story about the hitting buttons in the brain after. Yeah. Um, Is it the pleasure center one? The Where the chick kept hitting, getting yeah. an orgasm and like was like told to take it away, but then would yeah. fight people and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah I was, heard about that. Yeah. It's yeah. insane. It's but when insane. you look, if you ever heard, it's like, let's say you want to start a project. Okay. Let's say you want to build a house. I don't know, whatever. Yeah and you start telling everyone that you want to build a house, you are significantly less likely to build that house now. Really? Yes. Because it would be the opposite. No, because you're, because that's, you're fulfilling that now because you're talking about it. So you're kind of like fulfilling that by speaking about it instead of actually doing it. Right. So that's why they say that's where that work and silence comes from. Interesting. I can 100% attest to that. Yeah. I would sit here and tell everybody, I'm going to do this and I'm going to do that. And I never, ever did it. I never found that drive to do it. Yeah. And then finally I've shut up telling people what I'm doing and I'm actually doing things. Interesting. And yes, it is a whole health perspective thing as yeah. well, but it's also just like when I say I'm going to do something and I go into in-depth detail, it's like you did it then. Yeah. You did it. Yeah. So why do it? Right. And so that, I wonder if that kind of ties into what you're saying. Yeah. That mild frustration, because if they hit the dopamine hit, it's just done. It's yeah. just whatever. There's no more motivation at that point. Right? Yeah. You're, right? you've so, gotten it. Yeah. Yeah. That's really interesting, actually. <laughs> that's 
Um, but yeah, I know that one with the woman or whatever, I can't remember how the story fully goes, but she was hitting it so much, like it was ruining her life. And then she told them to take it away. And then when they actually tried to take it away, she was like losing it, yeah. freaking out. <laughs> everything. Yeah. yeah. Like, but it is, it's, well, it's no different than doing like a drug or whatever. Yeah. Because what happens is, is this is what people don't, like a lot of people don't under, fully understand addiction. And I used to always say, once an addict, always an addict. And I said that for many years because I had channeled my addiction towards supplementation. Right. Right. But then once I started learning about genetics and you have what's known as your COMT, so catecholmethyltransferase gene, yeah. that is heavily responsible for the clearance of dopamine. Yeah. Mine was significantly slow. Yeah. So I constantly had high levels of dopamine or my brain tried to maintain those high levels of dopamine. So yeah. that's where the addictions were coming from because those reaching the hard things like racing cars and drugs and such to keep that dopamine level elevated. Yeah. But then when you have the opposite spectrum, you have like too fast of a calm T gene and you have low dopamine, that's the people like Eeyore, right? Yeah. But then they're obsessed with like swiping Instagram or something yeah. like that. Yeah. 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 Right. Because they don't have a lot of dopamine built up. Whereas when you have it on the other spectrum, right? So that's like the people hitting the button or doing any sort of drug, it's like cocaine took your dopamine levels to a place that they had never been before. You're like, I got to get that. That's where the chase in the dragon yeah, comes from. Because you're like, to I got to get back to that level of dopamine, but you'll never get back there yeah. because of the enzyme increase of breaking it down and their receptor desensitization. Yeah. And so this is why people get so heavily addicted to drugs and then it gets yeah. into harder things and then people end up ODing and all that kind of yeah. stuff. Yeah. Right. So when you, when you take care of like it from a, take care of it from like a genetic aspect, you can really help manage addiction. Right. So like psychology is not wrong with how they're approaching it, but yeah. they're not trained in the genetic aspect, but addressing the psychology, bringing down the stress levels, addressing trauma yeah. will affect your genetics. So then in return, yes, that can, but if you still have somebody that is like in a very toxic environment, I don't mean like bad people. I mean like breathing bad air and yeah. bad food, mold, water damage or whatever their genetics are going to be affected. So you can go to all the AA meetings you want. These people eventually have a relapse. Right. Because their genetics are still compromised. Yeah. And so they're still searching for that dopamine hit. Yeah. Right? That's like where porn comes in. Yeah. That's why people get addicted to porn because they have this dopamine hit and then now they're trying to reach that again. Yeah. You see those memes where guys are like page 999 or whatever yeah. looking for something they never watched before. Yeah, exactly. Like what's the next, what's the craziest thing that I can see? Now? And this is why psychology has shown why people getting into really messed up stuff, right? Yeah. This is why they're getting into bestiality or yeah. like, obviously if I ever like, if, if I ever met somebody like this, I'd want to like kill them, but like child porn yeah. and stuff. Yeah. Right. Because they're just looking for a dopamine hit. Yeah. Because they yeah. like, there's something that happened in their life that they're searching for this, and they need that really fucked up thing to achieve that within their brain. Yeah, right. And I know a lot of like, I know psychologists have like different inputs and all that kind of stuff. And like, I'm definitely not a psychologist, but I understand on a physiological level. Like, I've seen it in in, in labs, and I've seen it in yeah. practice, and everything. What happens to these individuals? Yeah. And speaking from my own experience, yes, as we've mentioned several times. Everybody is different, but I went from like extremely addictive tendencies to where like I would scream at someone in Tim Hortons if I didn't get my donut right away because they were taking their sweet time to right. like, I don't even care now. Yeah. Right. And so that was tolerance. Yes. The tolerance level bit. That was because I improved my genetic response. Yeah. And so now I'm like clearing my dopamine properly, but I'm also doing things like I don't go on my phone in the morning. Yeah. It's not the first thing that I reach for. Like it is to see the time. Yeah. If if I'm up before an alarm, 
but it's not, I'm not getting into checking my Instagram. I'm not checking all that kind of stuff. I do, I get up, I drink water, take some morning supplements. I hop in a sauna. I don't know if you saw my sauna out front there. I did. Yeah. I was ask you about it. Yeah. I hop in the sauna for 15 minutes. I have a shower. I go take the dogs for a walk. Then I check my phone. Yeah. And that is how I do it. Otherwise, if I check my phone first thing, I'm on that phone all day long. Yeah. Because I initiated that dopamine spike. Yeah. And now I'm just constantly looking for something yeah. all day long. Yeah. All day long. Yeah. It's, it's, it's quick, right? It's quick to get into yeah. that daily habit of yeah. scrolling or right. looking for that dopamine hit. So before we wrap up, I want to know, let's say you didn't take this path. Okay. Yeah. Let's say, let's say you stuck with business school or something. What do you think you would be doing if you hadn't become what you are now getting into the fitness realm? To be honest, like I actually have thought about this a lot lately um my cousin visited he's he's a like an ex-military guy um and i've ever since i was a kid i've thought about going down that path of the like military military yeah however <laughs> every time i've also thought about it i've thought of like all the um all the i guess like I'm trying to think of like the proper word, but I've never agreed with any of the agendas that, you know, I guess like the American or the Canadian military have, okay. have had. Like, so it's, it's kind of like a hard one where it's like, I've always envisioned that being a path that I would have taken. I think because it's one of these things of like, you know, um, I guess like the training, like seeing what you're capable of physically is, is very, very challenging. Like I've always, you know, strive to see what my body's capable of and stuff. So I think that maybe is, you know, what attracted me to that. But again, I think the agenda probably would have kept me out of it. So maybe, maybe I'm kind of answering my own question, which is like, is I may have never taken that path. Yeah, yeah. It's always been something that's been of, but mind. when did you realize that you didn't agree with that agenda though? Because I mean, maybe you would, if you didn't realize before you could have gone into it. It's true. Cause like, I think. I, I probably didn't comprehend a lot of that until yeah. later in life, like, yeah. I don't know, 20, 25 or something mm -hmm. like that. So, um, but I think to answer your question on a bit more of like a, I don't know, realistic level. Cause again, I, I don't know if I would have ever taken that path, but I've always just had a, a like this thought in the back of my head that I could have, I guess. Um, I think it probably would have gone in the direction of, something like animal or um like growing up on a farm you you create bonds with animals like you are working with animals every day you're also dealing with animals just in the in the in the wild like you're out in the middle of nowhere right so there's wild animals whether they're predators or, or prey but like um you know whether it's wildlife management or even like um I've always considered, uh, like rescue, um, organizations, super, um, I don't know, I guess just really good, um, organizations to support or get into. So whether it's like, I've seen, you know, uh, like wolf dog sanctuaries or just sanctuaries in general, where they're taking animals from, you know, bad situations and giving them a place to, you know, live, uh, whether it's again like wildlife management where you're helping 
proper main maintenance of like the wild population. Mm. But I think, yeah, I don't know. I've always had a connection with nature and, and the wild, just literally growing up, like running through the bush, um, yeah. you know, chasing animals. <laughs> no, literally, but like, yeah, I like, I literally grew up like running through the bush and like building forts and stuff. And yeah. like, so I, I do have this like, you know, connection that I've built all through growing up with nature. And I think if it wasn't, you know, like dealing with what I'm doing now in terms of like the, you know, I guess like the, the physical side of like humans, I probably would be doing something about the physical side of animals. So maybe that's veterinary stuff, or maybe it's just, again, like wildlife management or something, but yeah, long-winded answer. <laughs> oh, that's great. Man. That's great. I was yeah. going to say, one way I can tell that you do have like that connection to animals because Heidi liked you. Because <laughs> yeah. Heidi's very picky or whatever, yeah. and if she senses like a decent person, she'll yeah. uh, she'll engage with them. Um, actually, one more. One more thing I got to ask you, because I also want to talk to Leo about this. Yeah. Because um, a lot of people have talked to me about it because they look and, and they look at the WNVF, right? That's yeah. how they say WNVF. Yeah. Do you believe there are people in there that are on hormones? Uh, no. The, so, cause what I was, what I was told is that, okay, how do you get tested then? So the, so the WMBF is super, uh, unique in the fact that they do dual, like dual drug testing. They, they do urinalysis on all like winners, but everybody knows that urinalysis is relatively easy to beat. If you just stop using hormones and or drugs, yeah. you know, a few days prior or a few months prior or whatever it is. Um, we're not doing blood tests to like look for like plastic particulates or anything like that. Yeah. However, that would be uh, an upgrade because then you could truly rule that one out. Well, so that's because that's why I asked because like when you look at it, you talk about funding. That's why yeah. some organizations, people get away with running drugs because the organization simply cannot afford the appropriate yeah. testing to actually detect those drugs. Yes, exactly. Because your analysis is relatively cheap. I think it's like $50 a sample or something like that because you send it off to like a lab in the States. But like, I don't know what blood testing would be like. That would, I'm sure, be quite a bit more. I'm assuming you need to hire people rather than just sending off samples. Mm. However, um, the way the WNBF does it is we polygraph every single participant. So not just winners, not just people that are uh, in top five or anything. Like every single person before they're allowed to compete uh, has to go through a polygraph. And the only reason I uh, say that I'm like sure that um the organization is uh like 100 drug free is because number one the polygraph team we have is ridiculously professional like they're they're so good at what they do and they catch people every show basically every show i don't want to say every show almost every show has at least one person that fails and they're always able to catch someone that's you know trying to do it but the other reason that i don't think anyone is in there for the wrong reasons is because there's not a ton of money in natural bodybuilding like okay. our world championships only hands out like fifty thousand dollars in prize money to all winners that's not one person that's okay the, the top people might win five grand like you're not winning enough to justify doing drugs because your drugs cost more than that per month yeah okay. you know what i mean than what you'd win over the like you would literally pay more than five thousand dollars a month to do drugs to beat some of our natural pros especially because yeah. the the <laughs> genetic anomalies that come through from all over the world to compete at like the wmdf world yeah are ridiculous like they are the cream of the crop of natural bodybuilders they look unnatural yeah. but 
You put them beside an unnatural guy and you're like, oh, they're tiny. You see, you see the difference? <laughs> it's still right, ridiculously yeah. different. Like you put a big yeah. Rammy beside our heavyweight winner. Yeah. Like it's mm-hmm. still like, yeah. oh, this guy's got like 150 pounds of lean muscle yeah. over our guy, right? Yeah. But to the untrained eye, they're like, oh my God, that guy's ridiculous. He's always on steroids. Like, no, he's just the cream of the crop out of the whole world. Mm-hmm. You know what people don't understand too? Natural individuals can come in more conditioned usually. And we come in way leaner. Yeah. Yeah. Less inflammation, less water retention issues yeah. that all the drugs bring on and yeah. everything. Yeah. And then these guys that are beating that though are just significantly risking their life. Yeah, exactly. Writing Whether it's amount of diuretics. Exactly. Diuretics or there's, I know there's other compounds that help you yeah. shed water. I forget what they are, but yeah. So there's a few things that I think make it good. And weirdly enough, like not having very much prize money is actually a good thing because it keeps it for the people that love the sport not the people that are trying to win like everyone's there trying to win yeah but there's not a huge incentive so yeah it it keeps it uh it keeps it for like the people that are there for the right reasons okay have you do you know of a lot of people that have went from natural bodybuilding into the different divisions and began using hormones i know of a few um i don't know a ton but like i know like actually a guy that everyone knows like sean clarita um oh yeah, yeah he's yeah. like the giant killer like he's the the new 212 olympia uh winner if i'm not mistaken yep, sorry, he, yep. he did his entire career in the wnbf and in really? other natural organizations prior to moving into the untested federations okay. uh, uh and who knows he may have even went into the untested federations prior to even starting yeah. using using drugs or whatever but um and funny enough one of our uh, world champions just went and got his ifbb pro card oh. still natural really but just going to show like how crazy some of these top level physiques are yeah they can still win overalls at ifbb events yeah which is pretty crazy yeah well it's it's funny too because like we're not putting a bad name on drugs i never try to put a bad it's like the people who abuse them like i used to um, but it's that gives things a bad names like you know i've said this a thousand times drugs were actually founded to save lives yeah right um but when you talk about like coming out of a natural federation if you want to win you're gonna have to do drugs oh absolutely you're going up against guys like you said big look at big rammy yeah no natural individual ever get there even with the greatest genetics on earth right you're gonna have to run drugs at some point yeah and that's why i was just curious because i was wondering if like people okay they got a taste for victory they got a taste for a little money and then they okay well yeah this division offers a lot more money yeah but in order for me to be able to compete in that division i'm gonna have to go on it hormones yeah right and so i just wondered how many people kind of take that route because i do know a lot of i do know a lot of females that they end up with a bad coach or something and they don't place well. So the coach goes, Hey, well, if you run some Anavar and some clan yeah. you'll do good, but now you got to go in this division. Yeah. And a lot of them will do that because yeah. they want that taste of that fame yeah. and they want that you know, to, to do better. But that's where I, I have no idea about the WMEF. Yeah. I don't know really anything about judging in there. Not that I know about, uh, other federations as well, but what really, where I really struggle with bodybuilding away because like i said i don't know how natural goes is yeah you could have someone mainly happens in the female divisions puts their heart and soul into their prep maybe they didn't have the most knowledgeable coach or maybe something happened in their life or whatever during that time frame and they didn't come in with the best physique or they came in with the best physique but they didn't have fake boobs yeah that's a big one right or they didn't have the super expensive hair 
or the super expensive glittery uh, um, suit or whatever, right? That's what really bothers me because then like you have these individuals that put their heart and soul into something. They don't place top five even, let's say, and then they're just crushed. I'm like, what was the point of that? Yeah. Right? And I think that's the the only thing I can say to that because like, yeah, it, it blows to um, put all this hard work into something and to be successful, like making it to the stage is a, a victory, but then having this panel of judges say that you were a failure and, you know, taking that on for your entire journey and thinking it was all for nothing. It, 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 that sucks. But at the same time, if you're going into a sport that's judged subjective or not subjectively, but like, I mean, it's semi-subjective, right? There is a, there is a, a criteria, but you know, in a way, like people are individuals, so mm. they'll, they'll still, they'll do their best to stay objective to, yeah. you know, their, their list of criteria. But if you're going into a sport where you're being judged on your physique, I think you, I guess you just have to come into it with a mindset of, I can't have any expectations of winning and I shouldn't allow this like competition or this placing tell me like if I'm successful or not because like the only I don't know and, and it's easy for me to say that I've had I've had relatively good success and I haven't lost a ton so it's like I feel bad even talking okay. about this but at the same time like I've I've gone into every competition thinking that I'm number one that I I'm kind of like a, a masochist in a sense. Like I, I constantly talk more negatively to myself than positively. So I'm always like, oh, I'm not going to do very well. I'm, you know, I'm probably going to get like last or whatever. And then everything's always a surprise if I do better. So, I mean, that's a good mentality to go into it with. Like lower your expectations. So you got the bar set nice and low. <laughs> set that bar low and everything's <laughs> up from there. But at the same time, like I think if you can... Um, if you can separate like success from like personal success from like your com your competitive success, like if if you showed up this year better than last year, or if if this was your first prep, if you showed up at all, that's a that's a success, that's a win. But if you can you know beat your physique from last year or beat your physique from two years ago, like if you've just improved on yourself, like if you can try and weight that more than the judges you know, placement, that's, that's the longevity in the sport. So if, if someone's like, again, like, I don't know, saying, yeah, I like, I did a few seasons, but I, I couldn't win. So I, I stopped competing. It's like you were competing to win rather than competing to improve on yourself. And so then it's like, it's like that journey. You're just competing. Yeah. You're competing for the wrong reason. You're competing to win. And that is maybe because you want people to like respect you or something and maybe that's coming from a lack of self-respect yeah versus hey i'm competing because i want to see what my peak physical condition is and then i'm going to improve on that every year and get better and better and better as long as you continue doing that wherever you place like it doesn't really matter because the competition is just one day like that journey that took you to that peak physical condition that's six months or yeah. whatever it is Yep. Sometimes it's a full year if you're planning bulks and cuts and yeah. everything in between. So it's, again, it's easier said than done, but I think your approach to com competition should be, again, it's you versus you versus you versus the 
yeah. rest of the competition. Yeah. Which I think is probably a little more difficult now because like social media has become such a big thing. Yeah. And like that, so like you place good in a show, you don't have to work hard if you're like, let's say you're a coach yourself, you don't have to work as hard because you have this placing in this physique now that is going to bring people to you. It's almost like you don't have anything to prove if that makes sense. Yeah. Right? It's just like or sign up for your physique. Yeah. Right. I'm not taking. Wait, I'm not saying these people are not knowledgeable yeah. or anything. It's just. It's just. It's we. Ca we cannot deny that it's all these individuals. It's like a. It's a. It's a like a status and a. It's almost like a degree. It's like once you once you place well at a show or at least get recognized for your your uh, success in a show, like there's like this validation of your knowledge, yeah. even though you might not know anything and just followed a plan. <laughs> yeah. Right. But some people are literally gonna start messaging you and say, Hey, can you coach me? And yeah. that person might be like, I don't, I don't even know what like calories are. I just follow my coach's yeah. pro program. Right. Like they might not know anything, but people are reaching out saying, Hey, will you coach me? Yeah. Right. Well, I know when I was like right, first getting into this years ago, for whatever reason, people would like, kind of like show me their meal plans from other coaches. And then like at the time I may be like, oh, well, like, you know, I maybe wouldn't do that or whatever. Yeah. Their response is always like, this is my coach. And they would show me a photo of them, which I did the exact same thing. Yeah. I did the exact same thing. I'm like, this is my coach and showed him at his biggest, most shredded on stage. And that was your defendant. Yeah. It was like, he looks like this. So obviously he knows what he's talking yeah, exactly. about. Exactly. And we've come to a time in an age where we realize some of these people are the least knowledgeable people, yeah. <laughs> you know, that. But what I will say is when you have somebody like that, because this is what happened with my first coach, right? Knowledgeable, but not the most knowledgeable, especially with like more complex cases such as myself. Yeah. But whether it was like his physique or the fact that he placed on stage, it was like intimidating. And so right. you wanted to, you wanted to impress him. Right. You wanted him to think good of you. Yeah. So he could get like, even without even trying, you would end up doing things you never thought would do, whether it would be like hours of cardio or like starving yourself or whatever, without even trying because he had this presence. He was huge. He was jacked. He was shredded. So I think that helps a lot too, because I know in my personal experience, I don't really, I don't have that ability with a lot of clients. Yeah. Right. Like I said, he didn't even have to lift a finger and you're like, I'm going to work my ass off. Yeah. He told me three times a week cardio. I did an hour every day because I wanted to impress him. And I lied. I, never, I didn't tell him that I was doing that. And he couldn't figure out why things are moving a certain way. And yeah. And you me and stuff. But, um, but like, that's where something with my coaching is like, I feel I'm good at talking with people and relating because I've been through a lot of personal issues. Um, but like for people to go actually like, you know what? I really want to commit to this to impress him. I don't really feel like I give that off because I haven't been someone who is like, I've gone down to single digit body fat. Yeah. I've done that and that was not fun. Right. But I've never actually stepped on stage and competed. And I would have never been able to compete, meaning place high with the physique that I brought. Right. I needed more size in the legs and everything, but I was shredded. Yeah. Right. I had, you know, visible striations and everything. And, but it's just, yeah, like, especially if you end up working with those kind of individuals, right. They kind of, they second guess you if you're not someone who stepped on stage. So if you work with like a bikini competitor, yeah. Right. They kind of like attracted to you in the beginning for some certain reason. But then if they question your modalities, it's like they're going to question them because you are not 200 pounds of pure muscle and 7% body fat year round yeah. kind of thing. Yeah. Right. And that's what makes the industry difficult because then you get flooded with people who don't know what they're talking about. 
and we're not necessarily at a point where they're harming individuals. They like, sure as well can though. Like yeah. I've, I've heard of people ending up in the hospital for yes. kidney failure. Yeah. Especially when because you're talking drugs. Cut salt water. Do you know what Shelby Starnes naturally? is? Sorry? Do you know what Shelby Starnes is? They call him the death guru because he like, he takes these females and they're like the most shredded thing you've ever seen in your entire life. But many women have died under him because he uses like 300 MCG of T3 and like right. stuff like this. And so, so yeah, like he's like knowledgeable about the drug process and can bring them the results and everything. But yeah, like they are harming individuals. Yeah. Like I had, um, a long time ago, I had this girl come to me and like her, the, he was on a cover of like, uh, what's it called? Magnum supplements and all that kind of stuff. And he was like, you looked great. You looked amazing. Very good looking dude and everything. But he was just treating her like garbage and pulling all her carbs. And she was like really struggling and everything. Yeah. So then her and I started working together and I gave her, I went from like, she went from like, I don't know, 50 grams of carbs, to like 350 and like f got tightened right up. And was yeah. one of the best looking at the photo shoot they claimed. Yeah. Right. And but she was like, well, this guy must know what he's doing because he's shredded. Yeah. It was actually my ex. Yeah. <laughs> it was actually my ex that had to convince her to work with me. Otherwise, she would have never looked at me. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. So it, it's that. I think it's definitely a huge issue with the industry in that sense. But I think people are wising up to it. Like, yeah. I think it is changing because I'd say like five or 10 years ago, 100%, it was go to the biggest guy in the gym or go to, you know, so-and-so on the magazine cover, like that's the guy you want. Yeah. And I think people are realizing now, like, and I, I see it time and time again, where like, you'll see a competitor and their coach doesn't even look like he trains, but he's this super knowledgeable guy. You know what I mean? And you see it time and time again now that like the coaches are less, I'm starting to see more coaches that don't necessarily fit the stereotypical bodybuilder coach, mm -hmm. like, visually mm -hmm. yes visual physique or whatever yeah um and that's good it's good yeah. that people are realizing that like this person doesn't need to intimidate me <laughs> yeah based off their their physique or they don't need to be the biggest guy yeah. uh to know what they're doing and i mean i think part of it too is just like if you if you have like the proof i guess like it, that helps too like obviously like yeah. the the in, like the physical proof but if you've just worked with a few clients um, and have gotten them success, I think that's often. Yeah. Yeah. But again, that's, you can't get started like that if you don't have any cases yet. So yeah, it can be, it can be tough initially, but I do think it is changing because people are just, yeah, I think they're realizing that knowledge doesn't mean muscles. <laughs> well, and it's not as simple as like, yes, it's a calorie deficit, but it's not as simple as saying, calorie deficit yeah right we're now dealing with liver issues adrenal issues hormonal yeah. issues psychology yeah, it's issues stress. like it's not as simple as just cutting calories anymore yeah right it's like okay we need to make sure this is doing the xyz in order for that deficit to actually function as a deficit should yeah exactly right and because people are like cutting their calories and next thing they're becoming water retained and their sleep is hitting the bed and their hormones are getting even worse and everything yeah. and it's just like you know, food is, is, is nutrients and nutrients is the key to health. Yeah. It's permission slips for the body to utilize or start to perform tasks that are required for health and vitality. Yeah. And when you achieve that, that's when weight loss, fat loss becomes much more attainable. Yeah. Other than just going down to like a thousand calories and 
you yeah, know, more cardio and all that kind of stuff. <laughs> the body just doesn't respond like that anymore. 20 yeah. years ago, it would have easily would have, right? You just cut all your calories and next thing you know, you're dropping weight. Now you see it all the time. People are cutting their calories and they're just getting worse. Yeah. Worse, they're gaining weight. Worse. Yeah. And then you got these gurus up. freaking out on Instagram and everything. Oh, you're not in a deficit. And then they justify it by you're in a deficit for five days of the week. And then you eat this. No, I've seen people follow a strict as hell nutritional protocol for 1200 calories, no cheating. And they're just not going to They may not be gaining weight, but they're not moving anywhere. Yeah. Right. And their hair is thinning and all this kind of stuff. Yeah. And it's like, you yeah. got to fix these the systems happening in other places. Exactly. Right. Yeah. Muscle tissue loss. Oh, sweet. The scale's moving. Yeah. Right. But now I have no muscle definition. Yeah. Right. That tone look that everybody wants. Now I don't have that tone look. Yeah. Because you've taken it away from the muscle tissue. Yeah. Right? And so it's, it's, like everything's slowly shifting and it's slowly improving and stuff, but yeah. there's still always going to be that outlier. For there's sure. still always going to be somebody there that's still like, nope, just a calorie deficit. Like the Twinkie guy. Yeah. He ate nothing but Twinkies yeah. or something and lost weight. So somebody's going to be like, oh my God, that sounds like the most perfect diet ever. Yeah. Let's go, let's go achieve that diet. And there's going to be somebody out there that will do that diet and lose weight. Yeah. Oh yeah. And then they'll tell their friends. Like, <laughs> yeah. Right? Your health's just. <laughs> exactly. Right. So. Yeah. Well, man, like we got to do this again. Cause yeah. there's so much going on in my head right now that I could ask you and continue to talk <laughs> about. And like, this is great. It's nice. Cause I'm still, I'm still, um, you know, getting more comfortable and learning more about podcasting and stuff. And it's great to have, um, you know, I've been very lucky with the guests that I have brought on that the conversation has been able to really, really flow. Yeah. And it's not like there's any sticking points or whatever, like unfortunately the camera shut off, but yeah, editing, right? <laughs> stuff like that. Uh, and so like, I really appreciate your time, man. Yeah, so glad you came. Uh, I think this was great and we definitely will have to do it again. Some more space talk That's and all right. that kind of stuff, yeah. man. So just get <laughs> all over the place. So I really appreciate you coming here, man. And, uh, where, where can everybody find you? Uh, just want to say it was my pleasure. Thanks for having me on. And, uh, people can find me on Instagram, uh, Toby S fit. Okay. Uh, I'll take it in the description. And I do have a website as well, uh, shoelerfitness.com. Shoelerfitness.com. Uh, yeah, real simple. Okay. I just launched the website, yep. so it is a work in progress right now. It's more of like a... Jot form. I saw that I went to the thing or whatever. Yeah, and it's more just like a store where okay. if people do want programs and uh, or coaching services, like they can read a bit about it, but I'd like to get a lot more. And like there's testimonials and, and stuff like that. Like, um, But I'd like to get more like content like long form content whether it's articles or just like stuff i write on there i'd like to have maybe a bit more of like a library of like my competitive work and stuff like that too so uh it is growing uh bear with me it's not it's not great yet but like i know exactly like all, going through yeah like all things like when you first start something it's just it's, yeah. it's a learning curve so I paid yeah. someone to do my website and she did an amazing job. Yeah. She did an amazing job. But prior to that, I was actually, <clears throat> I was actually losing clients because my website was so bad. Yeah. Cause I just made it myself quickly. Cause I didn't think yeah. it was that important. Yeah. And then like, I had people that would refer me and then I would, like never hear from the person that they claimed they referred. Right. And then later down the road when they felt more comfortable telling me, they'd be like, yeah, they would look at your website and walk away. Oh no. Yeah. So I ended up investing in somebody and she, I love what she did. It's yeah. a beautiful website. So yeah, it's, it's, but that same thing. Oh, just please bear with me. It's a work in progress. Yeah. And you know, you <laughs> tell all these people, you try to justify everything. But yeah. No, it's true. It's like, everybody's got to start somewhere. So yeah. that's awesome. So I'll tag everything down below where people can find you, man. Awesome. And thanks so much again. I really appreciate, appreciate it. it. Yeah. yeah. Take care, everybody. Yeah.